parent. I'm going to tell you about uh, parenting here. <laughs> okay. So I'm do some parenting. Okay. Uh, the other day, my child was doing that thing where he just didn't want to take a shower. And I was like, dude, you got to shower. You have to. Like, you don't want to be the stinky kid. I'm like, all you have to be is the stinky kid, like, one time, and it's, you're never going to live it down. <laughs> I'm like, here, I'll tell you a story. There was a, there was a musician named uh, Jim Morrison, and, like, he did all this stuff. And then I was reading his biography, and there was, like, an entire chapter about him being, like, the stinky kid. And I'm like, have you ever heard of Jim Morrison? He's like, no. I'm like, well, he died. Mind, mind you, my wife is, like, walking back and forth in the house, and she's looking at me like, what are you? He doing died. Yeah, my kid is like, well, what did he die? Did he die from being a stinky kid? I'm like, no, no, no. That's... He didn't. He didn't. And like at this point, my wife has now stopped. Is looking at me like, where are you going to go with this? He's like, well, how did he die? I'm like, ironically, in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me. He's like, I'm not taking a shower <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm like, and my wife is like, this is why I. Don't leave you. Heroin and bathing. That's how he died. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Happy eighth uh, birthday. I, I didn't. I left that part out, but <laughs> I was like, and I was like, no, no, no. The bath isn't what killed him. Yes. T- too late. Too late. Yeah. You, you already gave him that excuse. So it's now. been like two weeks, and he hasn't taken a bath. Just want to be Jim Morrison. Oh my god, it's so funny. If you do it in uh, Paris, it's bad. Otherwise, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Explains. Uh, so this is the Give Me Five podcast. Uh, we are doing a spring music extravaganza. Um, maybe the spring music palooza. I'm not sure what it is. Either way, what it is is the spring Rob is not here right now uh, episode. This is the Give Me Five podcast. Uh, normally, we're a semi-entertaining show about movies, uh, music, streaming, all of that stuff. Th- tonight, we're going to be a very entertaining show because we've got a special guest, and we are going all in on music because our uh, – not really music-averse, but the person that doesn't enjoy talking about music as much is away uh, on a cruise. So we're going to have some music conversation so that we can get that all out of the way. Uh, without him having to deal with it. Uh, my name is Vincent Fournier. And I'm joined by Calvin Brutus. Double G-O double G, what's up? <laughs> and Enrique Morales. I'm living la vida loca. <laughs> you, are. you are, in fact. Uh, Enrique Morales is actually Alec. He is our patron of unusual size. He supports the show. And we thank him for that. And he is also a huge music fan. And every time I get the opportunity to talk about music with him, it is a I, I learn about new bands, I learn about new songs, I learn things about old songs that I didn't know. And I'm into that. Other host here is into that as well. So Yeah, Alec, you're it's happening. You you literally always, always blow my mind with your like musical whatever it is that we're talking about. It's great. Every time. And just remember, I am the only thing standing in the way of him stalking you. Oh, I mean, get out of the way then. You know, I've seen him. Get out of the way. (laughs) Okay. I will move, bitch. Get out the way. Hey, Alec, look out your window. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) 
Fast trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, thank you for joining us, first of all. Uh, this week, we are talking about music, like I just said. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of music news, just because. Uh, we're going to talk about some new albums and do some reviews, uh, some new songs, reviews. Um, a music documentary about Keith Richards that I did that has been around for a while, but we got a chance to watch it. Uh, decided to do a little bit of hidden gems, like songs that people might not know about or versions of songs people might not know about that you might want to check out. Uh, and uh, talk about a music-adjacent movie. And um, I guess... The uh, I was going to say about that, and uh, oh, the uh, a lot of the songs we talk about for copyright reasons, we think we can't play these things, obviously. So uh, if you kind of keep an eye out, I will put up a playlist of a lot of these songs or anything we touch on, and you'll be able to check that out either on Apple Music and possibly Spotify. We're we're working on the uh, that, so at least the musicians will be getting the money for the you know. 10 plays out there. So um, we, that's what I got. Yeah. Well, we are um, usually if you're a, if you're a, a listener, usually we are a review show and there, there are, there's often spoilers today. It's more music. We're not going to really spoil anything because it's, we're just talking about music and songs and stuff. There is one film, actual film that, that we'll talk about a little bit. Um, but generally, not really many spoilers tonight. Um, if you have any issues with spoilers, you don't have to worry about that. So whatever other issues, those are your own. <laughs> Therapy is your friend. Go with it. Um, but uh, tonight is more of a conversation about the songs we love or songs we've never heard before and um, why we like them or why why we don't or whatever. Um so we hope you enjoy and there's some really interesting news. Oh, before we get to the news, Greg, how was the concert? So I got a chance to go to a concert last night. It was kind of weird. It was a surprise concert. I bought the tickets, uh, I believe about 37 years ago, right, right before the pandemic. Um, and the show was supposed to be, uh, I believe 2020. And then it got rescheduled, got rescheduled wow. again. And the band was Ministry. Uh, it was actually supposed to be Ministry and KMFDM. And, no shit. Uh, and I, I don't, it might have been Skinny Puppy or it's one of those oh, like industrial. Are you kidding? Uh, no. That's awesome. But it wasn't. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was going to go. I was a little terrified. <laughs> like, like, I was 100% sure that some appendage would be ripped off during that show. Uh, you'll but, be fine. You went to Slayer and you lived to talk about it, so you're fine. It's true. It's true. Uh, and, uh, so anyway, I did the, I was, saw an ad pop up on Facebook, which is the only thing Facebook has ever been good for. I saw this ad pop up and it was like ministry coming to Orlando. I'm like, I think I have tickets for that. So I, cause I didn't know. So I like looked and I'm like, did I get a, re a refund? I guess I didn't. I had to rummage around my house frantically, uh, to find the ticket. And I did and got a chance to see ministry for the first time, uh, corrosion of conformity and the Melvins who's, who's, uh, Fairly well known, they were you know Melvins were an inspiration to Nirvana and a lot of these, a lot of the grunge bands, a lot of the early alternative bands, and a lot of the uh, punk bands. Wasn't Pat Smear in the Melvins? Yes, actually, he was. Not that, not now, but no. Well, now he's in uh, Foo Fighters, but I'm saying originally. 
Yes, I believe so. <clears throat> uh, I didn't know much about the Melvins. They did. They they sounded a lot like a punk version of Black Sabbath, and there was a lot of like droning and like they. There was the whatever thing they did when they closed out their show like was painful to my ears, and I was wearing extraordinarily good earplugs. Did they do like a Mister Bungle sound noise mashup thing? Kinda, okay. yeah, at the end, and like. They were tight, which is pretty much what you would expect from a band that's been together for like you know, since what the eighties. So, um, of course, the big, the main part of the show was ministry. I was extraordinarily happy with them. They uh, were really, really good. They were, yeah. You, know, you you hear something like ministry, and I mean, I got into them in ninety what two when they released the Psalm sixty nine album. That was a great. That was just a good fix on it. Yeah, it was great record. I loved that. I mean, I bought that thing. I. I like the day it came out and it was like their one of their breakout albums and they um had just one fix on it and uh new world order on it and it was just it was really my intro i think i got that album before i got any nine inch nails which is crazy because it's usually nine inch nails is the gateway drug to industrial yeah but i think i think i think pretty hate machine paved the way for ministry to become a thing because this is that record came out pre downward spiral but I think without Nine Inch Nails, Ministry would not have gotten to where they were because, like, Head Like a Hole had already become a fairly big hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? I think. And then yeah, KMFD I think, I mean, and all that other stuff came later. For, like, metal fans, uh, A Brain is a Terrible Thing to Taste, I think, was out before then. With, I don't you know. I mean, I might the Ministry record. Yeah, the Ministry. So, yeah, like, but that for wasn't on, as big For the as... Headmaker's Ball Circuit. Correct. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But um, they were they were really, really tight, really good. Um it was one of the loudest shows I've ever been to. Uh, the they started off for the thing that really impressed me was they started off with, you know, this is ministry heavy, heavy, heavy. They're off, they're they're political, um, but they started off with a giant Ukrainian flag when they're and the ministry logo with the you know the M anarchy looking thing, and it was like ministry stands behind the Ukraine and they played the Ukrainian national anthem. Uh, they mentioned John Lewis, which was awesome. Um, they, you know, they they basically played their most of their career. If you guys don't know much about Ministry or but know them as being heavy, they used to be like a new wave '80s band for their first like album, <laughs> like Flock of Seagulls esque. Um, still good actually, but completely unrecognizable to the uh, the Uncle Al that you know of now. Um, but in speaking of, I just wanted to uh, uh, mention one thing. Uh, this episode. And you guys don't know about this part. This episode is dedicated to the uh, the band Anti Tila, A N T Y T I L A. Uh, they are a band from. They're like one of the top rock bands in the Ukraine, and they are currently on the front lines, like literally in war fighting. Um, and so, uh, you go on, you know, go onto their stream and look up A N T Y T I L A and listen to their stuff, so that when they uh, get through this, that they have uh, some money banked for themselves. So. I've been listening to them today, actually. It's very interesting hearing Ukrainian rock music. It's very poppy. And it's uh, not in English, obviously. But Anyway, um, got a chance to see the show. It was awesome, and it was good to be back at a concert. Uh, fans were pretty good. Um, I was terrified to be in a uh, closed venue, so I, I think I was the only person wearing a mask other than the ones that were, like, covered in spikes and stuff. And I... Uh, and <laughs> I did run into a very special person at this show. 
Go on. Uh, original Gibby Five podcast host, Jimmy. Oh. I did. I ran into him as I was leaving the restroom, which is a little ironic because when we worked together, that was usually when I first saw him every day, too. <laughs> so it's kind of nice. I was I had just drained the snake and he was on his way in and I had to inf- and I always would in it work. I would always inform him if there was a student in the bathroom so that we wouldn't go in there because I don't want to deal with that. Um, and uh, as a, yeah, and as I was coming out there, I had to let him know that there was someone that was like. In the ba- in the restroom, you're like, "Fuck yeah, ministry, woo!" and like high fiving people. And I'm like, "I don't want to deal with that." Drain the snake sounds like it would be a ministry song, actually. It does actually, <laughs> or a ministry album. <laughs> I love their album names. They have the, some of the funniest names. Uh, their ministry's new album is really really good. Uh, I haven't heard I haven't heard their previous few albums, but the new one is uh, called uh, "It's Moral" something. Um, really remarkably good. I um, the only problem I sorry. Go ahead. Uh, the only problem I have with it is it has, uh, and we try not to get into this stuff. It has a few uh, voice clips of someone whose voice makes me want to like scream, like quotes, and we'll talk about that moment like later at the end of the episode. Okay, but um, it's in there a lot, and it just reminds me that he exists. Hmm. I uh, grew up in South Florida, where I still live, and uh, I was good friends with a kid in elementary school. Um. And he tells me one day that his brother is uh, is in this band, and he's like, "Have you ever heard of Ministry?" And I was like, "No, you know, like I'm we're like in fifth. He was there. We're like in fifth. Oh, I, we're like in fifth grade." But his my friend's brother was Al Jorgensen from Ministry. Yeah, no, he was there. I talked to him. Eric. Yeah, you know Eric. You know Eric Jorgensen. Yeah, very good Holy shit! Oh my god, I didn't I mean, know that. Very good because we live far away. Um, I worked. I, I we went to high school together. Holy! But crap. I also uh, I um worked with him at Blockbuster for a little while. I had no idea. That is bizarre. And then, uh, I've known you for thirty years. I didn't know you knew Eric. <laughs> and then uh, when it not too long ago, he was showing one of his kids UCF, and I gave him a tour. That's wild! Wow. Nice. Yeah, that dude, good guy. That's cool. One hundred percent, a one hundred percent, a plus human. Wow, that's awesome. I would. He is a he is a person that will occasionally post very, uh, not I'm mean, gonna say long winded, but I don't mean this in a bad way. Uh, longer uh, stories, rants, whatever on Facebook, and they're always very well thought out. And I'm I appreciate interesting. that. interesting. I'd like to even if I don't agree with it. I'd like to connect with him it. again because I haven't seen him in thirty years. My child has entered the room <laughs> while I'm talking about ministry. <laughs> So, I got some other news here. I don't want to go too long because we. Oh, he said, "Have a good night, everybody." You too, buddy. So, just got a couple other little bits of news here uh, because this is the opportunity that I get to do this stuff. Uh, First thing, there's a new Bauhaus song out, and I was never a big Bauhaus person, to be honest. I think you guys were. I'm trying to find the article here. Um, <clears throat> there it is. Uh, so, like, I, Bauhaus to me was always, like, the drama kids that drove me crazy. Right? Like, yeah. That's – and that's back when it when it mattered. You know, Bauhaus, The Cure, some of these people. It was like, oh, no, just stop. See, I like I that stuff. Some, There's listen. a place for that, for sure. I remember uh, listening to – an argument that some, actually you were probably there was at some party and they were like talking about what was the most sullen cure song. 
I don't and I was like, <laughs> and, I, and I, I wanted <laughs> that's ridiculous. I wanted to to rip out my own intestines. I'm like, I, I, this conversation is making me sulfur. That's stupid. That's like saying, what's more psychedelic, the early Pink Floyd or you know Traffic or whatever? Like that's yeah, stupid. Right? That's a dumb. That's a that's that's a high school conversation. For sure. I think Robert Smith was more sullen during this. <laughs> I think I'm gonna eat these Doritos and not listen. But to see, you. I like that stuff, like The Cure, and like you know, like your like Bauhaus and all those. Like there is a place for that. And little known fact. Well, okay, let me say little known opinion. One of the best concerts I ever saw was The Cure, down in Miami in like '94. And it was. Did they play that sullen it, song, dude? It was honestly one of the happiest, most joyous concerts I've ever seen. All he talked about was like in between songs, you know, like Robert Smith was like chatting about how he loved everybody and how it was such a beautiful time and everybody was having such a great. It was an actually a really joyous thing. It 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 completely blew my mind. It's one of the best concerts that I had ever seen musically as well like they were tight like they played well and it was also one of the best concerts in like terms of making you feel a certain way it was it was fantastic it's nothing like what their public image is it's not at all and their music is great like they are fantastic songwriters and musicians but anyway sorry so thinking of uh speaking of that so this Bauhaus song I guess I mean you'll know you know a little bit more about Bauhaus than I do but um, what they did for this, this was uh, the song was recorded uh, distance distantly. Uh, it's called it's the first one in over a decade called Drink the New Wine. And what they did was they recorded um, uh, use the sur- surrealist exquisite corpse method. And exquisite corpse method, it's based on, I guess, some surrealists back in the day were like doing a writing thing where every person would like without knowing what the person wrote before them would add another word to the thing. So add another the, um, word. So you're you're each add adding word, one yeah. word at a time? Yeah. Without knowing what came before Holy you. Holy shit, that's crazy. So the um I'm trying to find the the actual sentence that was made by these guys, not the not Bauhaus, but like the the method that they did it. And the phrase was um uh, the exquisite corpse drinks the new wine. So, um, which is basically, yeah, it was in French, but it was uh, the exquisite corpse will drink the new wine. So they called the song the new wine, and basically every person wrote a minute of the song. They had some rules that they had to follow. Uh, they could only use eight tracks um, to lay down whatever instrumentals and vocals they wanted, and they had and they allotted themselves about um, sixty seconds to like together to add a composite at the end. So the whole the whole song, I guess it's like five minutes long or whatever, but each part of the song was written separately, and then they melded it together. It's actually kind of interesting. I, I listened to it; it was it was neat. That's pretty it was weird because cool. I was I, I was doing it right before this, so I couldn't listen to it like straight through. So I was like kind of scrolling around. I'm like, and before I read the article, I'm like, it sounds like five different songs, but it actually doesn't. Like there's a there's a thread. It's interesting. So if you want to check that out, that is on Rolling Stone. Uh, what else? Um. One a couple of little bits of news. There's going to be some new Pearl Jam music soon. Yeah, saw that tweet. Very exciting. Yep, they've already recorded some songs. They're working with Andrew Watt, who's actually a Justin Bieber producer. Oh, as well as and <laughs> now you're talking. About he's my a language. longtime Pearl Jam fan. 
He's a longtime Pearl Jam fan, and he also did some. He's done a lot of the pop people, like Justin Bieber, Post Malone, a lot of that stuff. He did an entire uh, another huge album, which I forget which one. Sit and write it down. But like another pop pop is, pop thing. Yeah, but he is a huge rock fan. It's kind of like you know, uh, who was the big uh, Rick Rubin? Rick Rubin, like, right? Who did like yeah. Run DMC, but Slayer also? Yeah, uh, he actually just did uh, Eddie Vedder's most recent solo album, which we're going to review on this show. Wait, that was a Rick and, Rubin record? Uh, no, Andrew. Oh, 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 did that. And he is. That's like like Pearl Jam is his band. He's like me, but you know, with talent. <laughs> and uh, he did that. And we'll see when you know we'll see what happens. They're they're doing a couple uh, new things with this. They were they're they're trying to because their albums take a long time to come out. So they were saying that they're trying out some new stuff where it's just like just a different way of writing to where they get hooks faster, they get different things. So I'm going to be very interested to see how that works. That's very interesting. Because sometimes when you change things up, you know, the results can be amazing. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's cool. I'm I'm really looking forward to that because, you know, Pearl Jam's the shiz. And that means a tour, although they're technically touring other parts of the country. They're not coming down here at all, are they? They very rarely come down here because, you know, it's America's penis. (laughs) America's flaccid penis. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So. Okay. So that's a lot of music news, a lot of cool stuff. You want to quickly talk about uh, patrons? Omar? Yeah. I mean, we we have Patreon patrons, and they are awesome. Um. Exactly. Um, <laughs> for a mere $5 a month, you are invited to our Discord chat where Alec can amaze you with his musical knowledge. Um, it's a never-ending barrage of awesomeness. Um, you get early access to whatever movie we're reviewing, uh, early access to the top five list. You get a birthday episode where we just make up unbelievably heinous things about you um, that are probably true. So that's on you. Um, in the higher, if you've listened to us for long enough to become a patron, they're definitely true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, in the higher range, you get like show notes access. You can curate an episode. You can join us. Um, Patreon.com slash give me five podcast. And it's always F I V E. It's never the number five, but like even um, our guest host this week is a patron and he's one of the coolest people that I've had a chance to meet in a very long time. Hey, I knew him first. Son of- <laughs> well, hey, I'm not taking that away from you, for sure. Agreed. I'm cool with that. <laughs> he likes you better. But That's fair. I no, no, no. I love you both. <laughs> it's okay, Alec. Most people like me better. It's fine. Thrubble. It's <laughs> 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 such a weird word. So please, check it out. If you enjoy what we do and you want to be a little bit more involved, we would love to have you because our, our Patreon chat is good time. You can go to Omar's Music Cave. You can do, um, there's even a food porn page. Yeah, there's that. There's, there's, yeah, uh, I like that. Rob buying, Rob talking about toys. Rob's toy, is it toy corner? It's action figure toys, not like things that vibrate. <laughs> okay, it's both. Let's not fuck around. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> although that's the purpose of those toys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. So yeah, so please join us. It is a really, really, really good time. 
And, and to be clear, I am nowhere near a music expert compared to you two. I just uh, know more music, or at least I like to talk about music more than the than Rob. That's about the only but he, he, expertise but I here's, have. Movies is more my thing. Here's the no bullshit thing, though, Alec. Like anytime there's a a a top five that you participate in, especially actually, I shouldn't say especially, even if it's just like film related, you nail it. Like you, we are always like dumbfounded by the stuff that you pull out. Like we're like. I always have to mute Omar's mic remotely because he's making this weird squealing sound. It's like, whenever you do it, it's, it's very yeah, funny. it's me. Like it's more of an orgasm thing, but that's fine. That's not the point. My point is have that effect on guys. <laughs> Did you learn that in prison? <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> the rubble. rubble. But no, so I'm really glad that you're okay. That's awesome. I th- you know what I think we should do? Do you want to start with the reviews? Let's start with some new, new music. Reviews. There's a bunch of new music Please. coming. Spring, sp- spring for me is my like music time. Like I'm very seasonal with music. Okay. Like winter is like metal and like all the metal I used to listen to, like the really cold, like produced metal that I used to listen to back in the day. Um, like, it just like people is. from I don't know Finland what. in the forest kind of thing, or like oh yeah, okay. wow. absolutely like power metal, yeah, yeah like. I still like it's. I've, I think I've said this before. Like, if I listen to that, I always have to Google it to make sure. Like, um, is this band a Nazi band? And like, it actually auto completes in like Google. Like, just to, and meaning that other people have Googled it. Like, no, they are not Nazis. Okay, cool. I can listen. Yeah, because you got to be aware. Of, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, you know, like Goat Hammer and stuff like that. Just awesome, like bands. But anyway, so that's like winter. But when spring comes around, it's like, it's like. I don't know. There's something. It just opens up. It's, it, it's you know, ain't talking about love. It's it's like Van Halen and party, like just fun and all that stuff. But obviously, that was back in the day. So this is so new music. I I just went and looked to see what tracks were coming out, and uh, the first one that really caught my eye was this Red Chili Peppers track, and I know uh, Alec liked it as well. So um, there are two new Red Hot Chili Peppers tracks that came out. They're on all of the services. Black Summer and Poster Child. And one new one just came out today, but I haven't had a chance to listen to it too much yet. Uh, what did you guys think? Um, I I thought it was a return to form, obviously. That's exactly um, what I thought. That's crazy. Yeah, it, uh, it sounds like them, which I know is a obvious thing to say, but their last album I don't think necessarily sounded like them. It really shows how valuable John... I think I'm saying his last name right. Freshiante was to the band. Uh, he he's so important to their sound, and they just all cylinders clicking. I I thought I was giving up on them. So when I when you um, put their uh, single out as one of the things we were going to be doing, I was like, ah, I wasn't looking forward to it to be honest. And then I uh, put it on this morning, and I listened to it three times. I love it. And um, now I want to go to the concert here in September that they're going to be performing at the Camping World Stadium. So. Uh, I'd say it's mission accomplished. The second song I thought was was good too. I, it was more funky, I think, which is also uh, kind of neat because they haven't really, yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's more like their old sound as well. So I really think they're. It doesn't sound they're not trying to be themselves from like the '90s and you know early 2000s as much as they're they're taking what what they've crafted over the years and they've made something really nice. I think I, when I heard. I, I I actually didn't listen to Black Summer like just by accident because once I started listening to Poster Child, it was the exact same thing that you said. 
where it was like a return to form because to me, poster child is like something that would be off of the blood sugar sex magic one hot minute era, but mm-hmm. like with the benefit of 25 years of experience. Like it, yeah, it exactly. I thought I was like, this is fucking awesome. And it, and he goes back to his like funky jive, like lyrics, the way that he like, um, oh, yeah, his delivery his it's almost like he's not even rapping. He's like talk rapping almost over it. But that's, mm-hmm. that's what old chili peppers was. And musically it's the same. It's the same. It's it, I, I, I shouldn't say that because that, that I don't want it to sound boring, but if this was an outtake, from let's say blood sugar sex magic or maybe even mother's milk i would not be surprised but the thing that the thing that makes it obvious that it's not an outtake is that it's just more mature than something that would be on mother's yeah, well, milk well the opening lyrics are great it's a uh, melly mel and richard hell were dancing at the taco bell that's awesome <laughs> you know who richard hell is yeah, 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 exactly. Richard Hell and the Voivods was like a punk band, like an obscure punk band from the seventies, early eighties. From New York, like n- yeah. Were, yeah, and nobody knows who they are. Like what the lyrics to that song are fucking amazing. Like it's a okay. I'm Greg. What do you think? So for me, there was there's always kind of two versions of Red Hot Chili Peppers, like star, like when they're for their good stuff. There was either the the more funky stuff, the words like like. You know, uh, suck my kiss, mm-hmm. uh, that type of vocalization, mm-hmm. and then there's the more more mellow stuff like Californication and uh, Under, Under the, bridge. the Bridge. And I, I get it; like every band has that. You can say that about '80s bands, stuff like that. But there's there, it's very diverse. And I, I'm weird because like when I listen to the Chili Peppers, I can do I can be in the mood for one or the other, and it's usually the more mellow stuff, like. There's very ever, very rarely ever a time that I will turn off Californication if it comes on, or Under the Bridge. Like, I but love you know what's funny songs. is that I've noticed the difference in them after one hot minute. Yeah, I didn't like that album all that much. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a good record. That was the record with uh, what's his face from uh, Jane's Addiction, Navarro, uh, uh, Dave Navarro, right? Dave Navarro. But yeah. when Scar Tissue came out. Like 2000 or whatever. 99. Yeah. yeah. I remember thinking like, what, what happened? Like the, it's like they, they, it was still the chili peppers, but it was like their sound sort of was thinner. I don't know how to explain that. Like their, their instrumentation was more like airy and thinner than it was with, if you go back for like the three records that I think of are, you know, mother's milk, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic and One Hot Minute. One Hot Minute was very produced, but I thought it was a badass record. Like they jammed. And then when start like the Star Tissue to Stadium Arcadium era is I don't know. Like it's not bad. I don't dislike it. It's just because I really like Stadium Arcadium. But it doesn't kick ass like the early stuff. And th- and this is like a return to that early stuff to me. I actually love Californication that album. I think that's might be my favorite album of theirs. So, uh, but I get what you're saying. It's, they definitely they sound different. That album, oh, that around the world uh, has that kind of funky Correct. Chili Peppers yeah. kind of sound going. And forward. I know I'm in the minority with California. I don't dislike the record, but I know I'm in the minority. Like it's a huge album. It's a massive. I, I love By the Way and Stadium Arcadium. Like I thought that run was, but that also had because that's when 
our first Chianti came back the first Correct. time, it was 2000, or 99, 99 for a Californication. And then he stayed on through Stadium or Acadium. I, but I, like one hot minute is probably I don't, not as high on that as you are, but I do think it's, it's good. But Bloodsticker Sex Magic is, yeah, that's probably their peak, best the album, peak. you know, for, yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah, they never were more popular. Well, I don't, I don't know if maybe Californication, they're pretty big too, but give it away under the bridge. I mean, those were huge. But even the even no, even the give, song "Blood Sugar Sex Magic" or like, or like you know, mellow me- fellowship slinky and all that shit. Like that stuff was awesome. Like it was so good. <laughs> Agreed. So we are going to push on here. I have to tell one quick yes. story. I'm I'm currently listening slash reading the Mark Lanigan book. Recently passed mm. away, singer of um, Screaming Trees. Screaming Tree. So in a time period right before Seattle broke, he was on tour, played a show, and these two girls came up to him, and he was like, I pretty sure that they're uh he thought one of them was underage and one of them was whatever he was talking about perils of drinking so and they're like you coming back to blackie's house okay who's blackie and he didn't know so he ended up going back to this house and these like they were hanging out drinking in this guy's library and the guy had a million pictures of himself with celebrities and stuff like that one of the girls hopped on his lap and started kissing him and he's like no i don't know how old this girl is i'm leaving so he was you know even drunk he was fine this is mark lanigan like mark lanigan yeah so he went and it was he were at this guy blackie's house and i'm sitting there and i'm i just listened to the the red hot chili pepper song uh right but like while i was in the shower i listened to the song and then i was like you know hey alexa play the book i'm listening to um so (laughs) he goes to the bathroom and he's to get away and try to like settle himself so he can leave and in the bathroom was a little tiny room like off this library. Um, he's looking around, and there's a million pictures of Anthony Kiedis in there hmm. of all different ages. And then he realized, like, that's who this dude reminds me of. And um, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic hadn't quite come out yet, but in the music field, people knew Mother's Milk. And he's oh. like, oh, shit, this is Anthony Kiedis' dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, I heard that and guy's he was wild. Like, and he – and Lanigan was like, this is – not only is this, like, does he have these potentially underage girls here doing all sorts of weird shit? He decided to put all of his kids' photos in the bathroom. He's like, this is disgusting. And it like went from, I need to get out of here to, I really need to get out of here. I saw it was a, and like, as he was telling the story, as soon as he said Blackie, because I just finished the Anthony Kiedis book like a year ago, um, I was like, oh. But even, even Anthony Kiedis talks about like when he was a kid, when he was like preteen, like his dad's house was wild. Yeah, and his, his dad would be like, his dad was the type of dad that's like, let's get you laid. Yeah, literally. Like, yes, was, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, it was fucking yeah. wild. Be like, drugs and women. Uh, what? And I would never have been able to have sex ever again if that ever happened to me. But anyway, uh, sorry. Uh, awesome. Let's move on. Um, I'm going to talk very briefly about Crosses. Um, I love the band Crosses. They're virtually impossible to <laughs> Google because it's really not the word Crosses. It's three Crosses. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard them yeah. before. Have you? Never heard of them. Until today. Uh, they it is an offshoot band of the Deftones of the Deftones. Oh, um, it's that's so that's it's Chino Moreno and and some other guy. Um, came out the first album came out like two thousand nine or something like that, maybe somewhere around there. And it's just it's awesome. And then nothing came out. And then they did a they did like a soundtrack. And then they released a cover of uh, Goodbye Horses uh, the, from Saving. Uh, saving the lambs from <laughs> uh, Silence of the Lambs. Saving, um, saving the lambs, apparently. 
uh, from Sons of the Lambs. And uh, but no, I mean I've this is one of my when I'm walking the dog late at night. This is a the original album. But anyway, they released um, they did sign a new deal and then they hadn't released anything and they released two songs. Uh, in initiation and protection, which they're good, but the thing with crosses is you kind of listen to the album straight through, and these songs definitely seem like in betweeners. But um, what did you guys think, having not heard them before? That I didn't check this one out. I this one uh, I, it escaped me for some reason. What about you, Alec? I I put it on uh, this afternoon in the car, and it actually. I thought it flowed pretty well from what I heard. I mean, I heard the two songs back to back. I can't say it stuck with me as much as the previous, you know, songs we were discussing. But I thought I actually thought it was like I, I would have listened to more. But I thought it was it could definitely had a mood. I, now that you say Deftones influence, it kind of makes sense to what I was hearing at the time. I was like, I didn't know who it was. I never heard it, heard of them at all. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It definitely has like a emo. Kind, I mean, I, that's not even the right word. Like an old synth, goth, emo feel, but it's well, Deftones kind of. I mean, that's you yeah, know. but not quite as but much screamy. Not, not as much screaming, but as far as I, I feel like that bridge before emo and not quite goth, whatever that might be, like but a, like AFI, something with, to, like AFI with Chino Moreno, or there was a, a, a AFI's lead singer whose name escapes me right now. He did like yeah. a. a another project that was like 80s sounding goth and i thought it was good i i did but i i would not have guessed yeah, in check a million out years their first and technically only real album um there are some songs on there that if it wasn't a different voice you would say it was like shade like wow. there's there's some awesome stuff on there um and like the i don't know it's i i really like them and i like their albums in full there's except that every so often they'll do like the chino moreno scream and i'm like no dude you just got me mellowed out and like dark and brooding <laughs> and now you're doing the scream and i'm like can't do both do yeah side note chino moreno I've, i did some work for him when i worked in the radio station he was like the nicest dude oh really there is there are he was he is the consummate musician for keeping an eye on his crowd and if someone looks like they're getting hurt or molested or raped he will stop the show and say and keep them safe and i will always buy their stuff as a result of that that's cool that is very cool yeah uh jumping ahead uh did you guys so i don't know which ones you guys got a chance to listen to jack white um the jack white did you guys get a chance to listen to the jack yes, white song taking me back what'd you think alec okay so confession i'm not as big on jack white as other people i respect him quite a bit but i don't particularly respond to his music quite the same way as other people um but I liked it overall. I wasn't. I liked some of the other stuff we discussed before, and we'll discuss later better. But I thought it was solid. I guess I would say it. It sounds like he's trying to. Um, his guitar is in a different sound. Uh, kind of reminds me of trying to do like a Tom Morello type thing, but he's not Tom Morello. I know he's a great guitarist, but I don't. I don't know. Not my particular style all the way. His voice never has done it for me either, but um, it was entertaining enough. I mean, it, I listened to a, I actually listened to the other. There's like one or two more songs after that. He had one with Q-Tip that I listened to. I actually thought was really good. So um, oh, I didn't hear I that. I did one. not know that. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it makes I'd sense. Say, I, this one I listened to straight out of an article about the new song, so it didn't have the other ones. So what did you think? I am this, on the same page with you uh, when. 
when white stripes got big, their their hooks are so hooky yeah. that you hear it like twice, and you're like, I feel like I've heard the song four hundred times. And that's really good description. And then you start hearing it in other places, and it, like every so often, you haven't heard it. Like uh, somehow you manage to not hear it for like a couple months, and you hear it, you're like, okay, that's cool. Um, this one it, it's interesting that it's called "Taking Me Back" because it sounds total throwback for him. Because he did some other more. I don't want to say I don't mean grungy like Seattle. I mean grungy like in a cabin kind of yeah I remember stuff that. stuff which I liked better um than his normal stuff. But I actually kind of like this because it it got back to that weird like he does that weird tuning on his guitar where it sounds almost like a horn. Like yeah, you hear it, and I I don't know what that is, but I like it, and I I liked hearing that again. So it's I don't know if it's something that I would like rush out to get, um, but. It's nothing I would change the channel on. I mean, I, I'm acting like I actually listen to the radio, which I don't. I, it's it's definitely something I would I will add to my mm-hmm. library. So if it pops up every once in a while, that'd be good. That's cool. Omar, did you listen to it? Yeah. Um. <coughs> sorry. Excuse me. Sorry. I um, gave him bronchitis. Apparently. Yeah. It, it did. He started no, screaming. I, I love. I really do. I'm a huge. I really like the 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 White Stripes. I really really like the Raconteurs. Um. I'm not disappointed with the dead weather. Like, like just like the stuff that he's done is, is great. And he really is. I know he's not, I, I like your Tom Morello reference and that it makes sense in the context of this song, taking me back. But his solo stuff, he always has. And like Greg said, he always has these like weird sounds. So the, the guitar tone of this song what I wrote down, the first thing that I thought of, it reminds me of a song that would come out in the year 2022, but you would see in a movie that came out in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like what they thought songs would sound like in the future, but like back in the early, in the late nineties, like, I don't, I, I know that's hard to like, to like ex- explain or describe. But it's a very sparse, like the guitar itself. He's got this very sparse guitar riff that just comes in and like a, and like a blast, and then it fades away, and then it blasts in again. And then I was also affected by, like my my opinion is affected by the visuals of the video, which are very like sleek, like black and white. It was it, it's it's okay, but I I find that when he when he's with other musicians collaborating. It's more listenable, but in my opinion, he's musically he's phenomenal, and his guitar playing is, in my opinion, underrated. He's fucking amazing, but just his solo stuff always is just we uh, weird. Is that the right word? I guess okay. weird is the way. <clears throat> Does that make sense? Yep, that makes perfect sense. I, and I agree, he's an amazing musician. I. I I respect uh, what he does very much. I actually do think he's a very good guitar player. I don't. I didn't but his know songwriting is great too. Like even back to like even back to the White Stripe stuff. The, I, and see, that's the thing. I think I really like the White Stripe stuff. And some of it is I just haven't kept up with him the same way. But I just some I know some people go crazy for him, and I don't quite get there. And that's but I, it's one of those things where. I appreciate at least like you know you should always recognize greatness even if it's not you know your speed and I think he's he's definitely an amazing musician not my particular like I don't know how much I'll I'll revisit the the song that we heard today but 
certainly I, I still want to check out his other stuff. Yeah, and I yeah, definitely... was the band that I was like, oh, yeah, I, love, I like that. Those guys are so good. That band is fantastic. And if you're ever in Nashville or Detroit, go to the Third Man Records, like record store, because his, his label's called Third Man Records. I haven't been to the one in Detroit, but the one in Nashville's awesome. And there's just such cool, like, just the coolest shit you can think of. It's, it's awesome. It's, go up it's to really Detroit cool. and kidnap patron Scott. Yay. Oh, yeah, that's right. We got to get... It's a good idea. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take over here, and I'm yep. sorry, Eddie Vedder Earthling. Uh, Eddie Vedder solo album. I was. It's weird because I adore Pearl Jam with every fiber of my being. I've Love been it. brought to tears by them. I've gone. I've traveled all over the United States for them, et cetera, et cetera. I don't listen to their solo stuff quite as much, other than the Into the Wild album, uh, which <laughs> which is a great album. It's a good album. Uh. <clears throat> So Eddie Vedder's solo album, it was not like I wasn't excited, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't run out on the first day by it album. I mean, well, it's hard to find albums anyway, but like, you know, it was one that wasn't like setting the alarm to listen to it at midnight kind of thing. Uh, and I love this album. Like, it's, it's ever, you know, be like, well, of course Pearl Jam is going to be one of your favorite, favorite albums or Eddie Vedder's, but like, it's already up there in my mind is like one of the best albums of the year so far. And it's just, and they've always, he's always been a musician that wears his influences and his favorite bands on his sleeve. And it comes out in this album. And um, I'll tell you guys a little bit more about it in a second, but um, have you guys listened to the whole album or parts of it or any bits of it or anything like that? I have listened to, a, not, I'm embarrassed I haven't listened to the whole thing because I actually love Eddie better and... I mean, I even, like, I liked his ukulele record that came out, like, a decade ago. Um, I, I've i heard bits and pieces on Pearl Jam Radio, because uh, they've played certain concerts that him and the band have played together, and they sound really good. So, I'm looking forward to when I do get that a is, chance That to... is actually where the guitarist from the, the old guitarist from Red Hot Chili Peppers went. He's now Eddie Vedder's touring guitarist, and on the album. Uh, I think Josh, he fits in well with... Oh, is he with, really? With, with, yeah. yeah. I think it's just a better fit for him than than trying to replace what Frusciante did with the uh, Chili Peppers. But from what I can hear, they're a band that because they they did a small little tour. I think they did like what ten shows or something like that, and mm-hmm. they sounded good. They sounded good playing their material. They sounded good doing covers, and I will definitely be buying the album and listening to it. My wife and I both, you know, we love Eddie Vedder. He's probably after Bruce. If he's not our second favorite musician, he's very close. Nice. So th- this album was not planned. It was a surprise. Uh, Eddie Vedder, being the awesome dude that he is, was actually in Los Angeles working uh, in May 2021 to work with the uh, Global Citizen uh, Benefit to try to make money to get vaccines to other countries that don't have enough money to do that. So he was working on that. He decided to stick around. Um, <clears throat> so while he was there, a young producer – this is – oh, by the way, this article about this album is like – I've read a bunch of articles about it, obviously. The one in West Side Seattle is the website. Um, okay. Just look up West Side Seattle, Eddie Vedder. The article's great, so I want to give them credit. Uh, so while he was down there, he met a dude named uh, Andrew Watt, which we just talked about, who is um, – he made a name for himself. This is where I learned a little bit about him. He did uh, he did uh, Plastic Hearts uh, – sorry, he did Plastic Hearts for Miley Cyrus, Post Malone, Lana Del Rey, Justin Bieber, and a bunch of other pop things. Wow. 
Okay. Um, but his favorite bands are Black Sabbath, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Jane's Addiction, and his all-time favorite band is Pearl Jam. So he mm-hmm. got the opportunity to work with Eddie Vedder as a result. Nice. Um, but and actually, here's Lana the th- Del Rey's ass is, is like she's in, she kicks ass. She's good. Yeah. So when he was in L.A., he started doing this stuff with this guy, and people started hearing. Yeah, there's a solo album coming out, and all these musicians started clamoring. And so Eddie Vedder, big star, obviously, but Josh Klinghoffer, you know, from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Eddie and Josh were friends for a while. So he's like, oh, you're not doing anything right now? Come on in. And Chad Smith, the drummer, for is the drummer, also Red Hot Chili Peppers. So um, joined the Eddie Vedder band, so to speak. But then other people started showing up, and I'm not going to tell you all the names because I'm going to kind of do it when I talk about the songs. But as I was saying before, at least for me, I love the fact that I was able to learn about new music from Pearl Jam. I knew some Who songs until I listened to Pearl Jam, and then I learned more Who songs. But because I was, you know, it was we're old, it's hard. Like <laughs> if your parents didn't listen to the Who, you couldn't afford to just be like, "What's this Who band I've talked about?" You couldn't go online and just listen, you know. Um, so like the Who, Tom Petty, all of these things. So there's a song in there called "Long Way," which I'm listening to it. I'm like, this could be a, the a lost Tom Petty song. But that song is so good. Yeah. You're and the one who introduced me to that one. That like blew where it's my got mind. the the sustained like chorus long way and like and then of course you get these these keys and it's almost like uh was it not into the great wide open uh learning to fly is that the Yeah. Is that the one with the uh with the video had him like on an escalator and like No, free falling. Free falling. Yeah, free falling. That's what it was. It's like either way. Um but Long way actually has Ben Montench from Tom from the Heartbreakers. Like was like, yeah, like like that song's great. It sounds like a Tom Petty song. So Ben Ben Montench is that? He, I guess he's the keyboardist for the Heartbreakers, maybe. Um, then there's another song that has really awesome piano at the beginning, and it's Elton John that joins them on it. Jeez. And then there's a crazy song that has like it's. A super fast, like, I don't know, bluesy, jazzy, almost, like, I don't know, just bluesy, jazzy harmonica that's, like, absolutely insane. And I'm like, who the hell is playing this harmonica this fast and this well? And it's Stevie Wonder. (laughs) So, like, and then I was actually listening to another song, and there's a song called Ms. uh, Is it, uh, uh, where is it? So I'm scrolling through the article here. Uh, try this. The fast song is called "Try" by St- with the Stevie Wonder one. Um, Miss Mills and Miss Mills is a story, and it sounds like you're talking about like some woman that's like been someone had sex with a bunch of times, like a bunch, like everyone had sex with her kind of. But it's actually about a piano. Uh, the call and that's in like a basement of a pub, and it's called Miss Mills, and it's. In England, obviously, and like everyone has played this thing, it's been there forever. It, um, it's oh, I'm sorry, it's not a pub. It was at a pub. Now it's at Abbey Road Studios. So Abbey Road Studios, song about a piano. Guess who's on drums? Ringo Starr. Ringo. <laughs> yep. And like, so it's just this fun, like this dude that loves music that's just making all this stuff. It's a very personal album. There's a um, a song called Brother of the Cloud. Which is talking, which talks about losing a brother. Um, Eddie Vedder lost his half brother in an accident about oh, four or five years ago. Hmm. Um, it was a climbing accident, 
but also he's talking about in that song uh, he talks about losing a brother with blue eyes and that could also people also think he's possibly talking about Chris Cornell in that and that's it's you know basically the Seattle bands were a family mm-hmm. um, so that one and then for someone uh, you guys know the story of Alive I know you do people out there listening Eddie Vedder yeah. did not know his family or his dad right um, he found out who his dad was at the age of 15 after the person had died. He thought someone else with his father. And it turns out his father was a, was a traveling musician. So I'm going to read this because this West side Seattle story actually tells the, the story um, of a little bit of this. Um, so let me find that real quick. So the record closes with on my way. And that is, it is a very different sounding song. Think more, a little more Sinatra than than Pearl Jam. And um, Eddie Vedder had eventually found out that his father was a singer and a musician. Also, he found out. You know, people would be like, "Oh, I knew your father. He was a, you know, he was a singer." That's so, crazy. Eddie Vedder had never really heard his father sing, and you know, he was was he good? Was he a hack? What, what did his voice sound like? What's the deal here? So, um, he grew up in Chicago, and when he was going to some of these Cubs games. Um, he would go and see like different jazz bands and local bands. And as he was talking to these jazz bands, he was introduced to some these like other musicians. And the other musicians were like, "Yeah, we knew your father. He played in a band. We played in a band with him, et cetera, et cetera." Um, and someone was like, "I think I have a tape of him." So they gave him a tape of five songs that his father sang on. So can you imagine that? Thirty years, forty years, hearing your father's voice for the first time singing. And it sounds like Eddie, just different type of music. Crazy. And um, they actually do a duet. He does a duet with his father on this thing. And it's like such a personal thing. And he's usually, he usually sings in other, a lot of Pearl Jam songs, he sings as other people. You know, a lot, he'll take the voice of a, you know, a woman that needs to get out of a relationship. He'll, all these different things. Um, and this time it's, it's such a raw personal song. It's like, First time I realized that, that he was singing with his father, I was like tearing up. So, wow, um, I didn't know that. I'm definitely gonna check this out. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's great, and it's very interesting the the variety of musicians and the respect that all these musicians have. So, um, so far, or Eddie Vedder Earthling is you know a plus for me for this year. Like, I, I, I don't know what's gonna beat it. I can't wait. And I think I killed Omar with my gushing. He's he like, did. He's dead now. Yeah, I think he was actually coughing because he has a slight cough. Yes. No. He's that. That and the Eddie Vedder um, information oh. just that. That was all it took. Yep. So he'll be he'll be back eventually when he stops coughing. Okay. So we uh, what you guys didn't hear out there is we did take a little bit of a uh, short break for um, Omar to cough a little bit. We uh, are back. <laughs> You won't know that because I'm a, an amazing editor, but I'm still going to mention it. Uh, one of the things we wanted to do on this episode is just talk about songs that you might not know from different bands. And I, I, we all went a little bit of different direction. We kind of introduced each other to songs, and I had not heard any of the ones you guys introduced me to. And I think you guys, I surprised you guys as well. So we're going to talk about hidden gems, songs, and or bands that you guys might not know. And Alec is going to start this one off. Okay, so my song is 
by Bruce Springsteen. So not exactly a hidden gem in the sense that if you're a Springsteen fan, you know this song. But Who is this person? Yeah. <laughs> only one of the biggest selling artists in, of all time. But yes, um, I tried to be original and think of something obscure. But at the end of the day, to be honest with you, I, I think I the last time we talked, I gave all my war and drugs information. So I didn't want to go back to that well. So um, I was like, well, you know, I'm guessing... Neither of you have heard his song. Uh, it's called If I Was the Priest. It's uh, off his last album, which is called Letter to You, which came out in 2020. And the reason why I picked this song is it's my favorite song off the album. Uh, if you're a Springsteen fan, it's the one that you're probably most looking forward to hearing live if he ever tours again. Uh, you know, I think he will be touring again next year, probably. And it's, uh, it's a song that... Um, I just think it kind of, uh, you want to see the greatness of a band that's been together for years and years. The song kind of is the evidence of that. It's his, him knowing exactly how to deliver the lines and his, you know playing instruments as well. But the whole band together just comes through and takes this theme. Uh, it's kind of like Western religious type theme. And I don't know, maybe because I'm also a, a fallen Catholic, and I think the song is kind of like about uh, being a fallen Catholic. Nice. So I think that that works for me as well. Um, but um, anyway, it's uh, it's it, to me is it's one of his best songs in a long time. Uh, the album itself is there's a special on Apple TV, so if either you have a uh, Apple Plus, I mean, um, there. They actually showed the recording of this album. And what the band did was they came, uh, they all came to New Jersey in 2019. So this is before COVID. So they actually thought, hey, we're going to record this album. We're going to go on tour. So it's kind of depressing in that sense because they didn't realize a few months later they wouldn't be able to do that. But they, uh, for the first time since 84, when they recorded the Born in USA album, they, Bruce uh, basically, instead of recording his stuff first and then kind of adding the band into it, that, hey, we're just going to do it together as, as a group. And they did it in a couple of days, the whole album. And this song is one of the songs that they did. So it's you can kind of tell if you're an E Street fan, uh, if you're a Bruce fan, and you heard his album, this one has a different sound to it. Uh, more, uh, almost like a live sound. Not, not, I mean, it sounds produced, but not as produced as his other albums recently. So anyway, that's my, my starting take on it. So... I, I, you know, I plugged in. I listened to this the other night. I was usually I get an opportunity to listen to this either when I'm showering or walking the dog. And I first started, I was like, hmm, I'm not, it wasn't what I expected from the very beginning. And then the organ kicks in. Yeah. And I was like, ooh. And then I was all in. And then the uh, whole band it, kicks it, in. Yeah. And like, I was, I was, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, it was definitely one of those where I was, I was saying earlier before we recorded, like a song very rarely ever catches me first first take. Like a, the Red Hot Chili Peppers ones recently just did. Um, but it will catch me to the point of where I need to hear this again to kind of get the whole piece of it because occasionally my mind will wander during the song and all that stuff. And this one, <clears throat> I ended up listening to it twice in a row, once uh, walking the dog and then I listened to it again as I was kind of like closing up the house and putting stuff away and all that. So um, – which again, that's not really much about the song, but it 
is interesting. I didn't know the story behind it, like the lyrical story. I, I didn't get a chance because of what I was doing. I didn't get a chance to uh, like look at the lyrics, which is my other little thing I try to do with new songs. So um, I'm going to have to do that again. What you got, Omar? I I <clears throat> I was reminded of like when I late '80s, mid '80s, late '80s, early '90s, when I was just like starting to really become aware of music. Um, I, this is really the the first thing I thought of, and I agree with you. Like when the instrumentation starts to kick in, it was it was awesome. But I I was reminded that there was a time before I really knew a lot about the bands that I really love, like the older bands, like um. Petty and the Stones and Neil Leon and those guys, you right. know, right? Big fan of Menudo. Menudo, um, you know, pre-Ricky Martin, post-Ricky Martin, whatever. Um, but I remember listening to those bands and not really having a sense of whatever song was out. I had no idea if it was a newer song or an older song. To me, they were all like in this mysterious past. Because I didn't know any better. And that's what this song reminds me of. When I, As soon as I heard it, I knew because we had talked about it that it was like from his new album. But it reminded me of this timeless sort of whatever song. And those those are my favorite types of songs. So like even stuff from like Creedence Clearwater Revival off of like Cosmos Factory from 1969. Like that shit is so timeless to me. Um, a bunch of the Stone stuff. Um, I would say like the Mick Taylor era stones. It's so timeless to me, even though it's from like 71 to like 70. You just wanted to say 69 on the episode. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> crazy. it's crazy. You would say that because the, um, the song itself was written in 1972. So you, you definitely were onto something there. He, uh, before he became, uh, Bruce Springsteen that we all know, he, you know, he was performing acoustic shows in the New York city and, this is, I think, might be even one of the songs he might have played for John Hammond when he was um, for Columbia he, Records. Yeah, when he got wow. injured. Yeah, so I, so it's one of those songs where he he played it like in '72, maybe '73. The next time he played it, I think, was in '05. He did a solo tour where it was just him on a piano or on a guitar or something like that. He played it then as well, but he never played it with the band, never recorded it with the band. And then I guess when he was doing his last his last album, just for for people who want to know a little bit more about it, it's about, um, I think his, his, it's his coping with, uh, death in a sense, or the fact that he's, you know, he's in his seventies now. Um, his, the band that he first was in, they were called the Castiles and he is the last man alive from that band. Every other man wow. is dead. I mean, one of them died in Vietnam, so it wasn't, not all of them died from being older, but, uh, I think between that and obviously a couple of people in his own E Street band have passed away in the past years. So I think he was trying to kind of come to grips with seeing all the different people that he's known that have passed away. And this album really is about living through that and also about dealing with grief to a point. And I think somewhere in the middle of that, he said, you know, there's some songs that I recorded because there's three songs on this album that he recorded in the 70s. Uh, and then, or he wrote here. I'm sorry, he wrote in the '70s. Never fully recorded them, never released them. But said, you know what? This is the time to do it. And all three of the songs that are on the album are great. But this one, if I was the priest, is is a standout. That's that's amazing because that 
it does have the vibe of a great singer songwriter who is timeless. You know what I mean? But I, I didn't know that that the song is that old. I I, I legitimately I because I don't know that much about. I mean, I know a little bit about Bruce Springsteen, but like not as much as you do. And that's really really funny <laughs> because because it's the same thing with me. Like when I was hearing. I don't know. Uh, Neil Young was the best example at the time because I was being introduced to him and I really liked what I was hearing. I didn't know if the song was from 1971 or from 1985. I had no idea. I didn't know. I didn't know that Rocket in the Free World was from 89 and that Harvest was from 71. I had no idea. I didn't know. And that's what this reminded me of. So it's really funny that he wrote it, you know, four years before I was born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to me, that's amazing. That blows. That to me is the mark of a good songwriter, and like good writing. You you can't place it in a specific era, other than your own personal experience. And and Greg, don't feel bad about not uh, analyzing the lyrics. I've listened to the song a million times to get to where I am on the lyrics. Because Bruce, when he wrote in the early seventies, like he wrote "Blinded by the Light" for Christ's sake. Have you ever tried those lyrics? Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, he, he was just in a different. Yeah, he did write thing. that, right? He did. Didn't Man for Man record that? They covered it. Yeah, he. It was on his first album. They covered it. and They actually got it. He's never had a number one single. They have it. Blinded by the light. <laughs> no shit. Yep. We uh, I think that's the first Manfred Man uh, reference that's ever been on a podcast. Uh, look at that. We're, we're breaking records. That's so but, funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like I the mean, Manfred Man contingent is going to start listening <laughs> to us, and all seven of them. You're going to gain. Wait till the Procaharum people hear about it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but. but but you know, deep, deep cut. the crazy thing is, he says that the reason why he didn't do drugs is because have you heard my lyrics in the early 70s? I didn't need them. And this song is kind of on that level. Of, Holy shit, there's a lot going on here. So, uh, but I, after listening to it for so many times, I think I kind of get where he's coming from. At first, I'm just lost in the imagery of the West and the religious stuff. And then you kind of get to what he's trying to say. That's crazy. Very nice. So, uh, Omar, you you dropped, you went deep cut on this. Uh, not a deep cut band. It's a band that everyone knows, but you went with an interesting cover. Well, um, yeah, okay. So, mine, this is one of these songs that I love so much. And every time I hear it, um, every time I hear this song, like, I just want to like, like, I, I'm ready to just like jam. I'm ready to like rage because the, the, especially the guitar solos and even just the intro, the way that it st starts, um, it's called Dimples. Uh, the version that I'm talking about is by the Allman Brothers Band. It's from a live album called Live at Ludlow Garage. It's from 1970. And it's originally a John Lee Hooker song, but the Allman Brothers cover it. And if you're, if you're paying attention when you start, when they start talking about the song, you can hear Dwayne Allman, who dies like about a year later. Um, that was, no, that was, um, Dwayne Allman was a motorcycle. Motorcycle? Yeah. Motorcycle. The plane crash was Leonard Skinner. I think he was a motor. 
That's right. Yeah, but wasn't the motorcycle crash in Jacksonville, right? The, that one was in Jacksonville, and then a year after him, their bass player, Barry Oakley, like almost to the day, or maybe to the day, he also died in a motorcycle motorcycle crash, but I think that was in Macon. Jeez. Yeah. So Dwayne Allman, you can hear him talking into the microphone. He's like, oh, I don't usually sing, but I feel like singing. We don't really do this song a lot, but I, I just feel like singing a song. And they launch into Dimples by John Lee Hooker, but it's like the Allman Brothers version. It is on fucking fire from the minute it starts till the minute it, till the second it ends. It is unbelievable. And the solos are just ridiculous. Like, there's this myth that Dwayne Allman was like the... It's not a myth, I'm sorry. Dwayne Allman is like this like ridiculous guitar player. But people forget that Dickie Betts was an unbelievable guitar player. Like they they could go note for note on any the, the and you even hear it. There's a little bit of a back and forth guitar solo thing where they like like it is fucking amazing. The 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 song is just fire from the first second to the last second, and that's the 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 the, the tune that I picked for my kind of like hidden gem because if you're a rock and roll fan, if you're a blues fan. If you're a Southern rock fan, if you're a regular rock fan, if you're a guitar rock fan, if you're a kick-ass rock fan, like this song covers every bass. Like, I, I, I cannot hear this song, especially those solos, without just raging. Like, they're just so good. And it's so bluesy and, and like Southern rock. I, I don't know. That's That's where I'm coming from with it. What did you guys think? I loved it. Um, I did not want the song to end, so that's kind of the... It almost didn't. <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. There is like, a point where the thing. song seems to end, and then they kick back into it. Yes, and I knew they were going to kick back into it, and I was happy. Um, I love the Allman Brothers. I, I I don't know them like as far as... like I've listened to their... The, I guess one of their greatest hits albums, or something along those lines, one of those double albums. So I, Every song kind of just flows. I mean, they're... I don't know if they're the original jam band, but they're certainly one of them. And that song is an example of like why people love jam bands. I mean, they just go and they go and it, it was a lot of fun. I just thought it was a lot of fun. And, you know, the guitar playing was definitely outstanding. And the whole, I didn't know it was a cover. So I just learned something new as well. I didn't, I didn't know that was a John Lee Hooker cover, yeah. but that's not many bands can, can cover John Lee Hooker. So, uh, <laughs> That's I, I, I thought it was great. Great choice. Yeah, this is one of those. Um, I'm. It's weird. I love blues. I've said this a million times, and again, and very similar to my Red Hot Chili Peppers thing. There's two types of blues for me. There's the flowing, uh, sky is crying type blues, right? And then there's the I met a little lady. Da na 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 na. You know, she. Uh, I don't know. Blew my mind or whatever. Blew my mind, yeah. da, 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 da. and then she went with Omar because he likes things in his behind, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Very nice. And I, that is I also like an the original Allman Brothers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is weird. Uh, that latter type, I like that. If I'm in a place that needs to have that kind of music, smoky bar, uh, wood floors that have been so walked on that they're like rounded and like you know not finished anymore, that kind of stuff. But I like. But when I'm just at home, I listen to the more flowing kind of blues john lee hooker tends to do the the latter more uh, i'm gonna call it clunky blues but i don't mean it in an offensive way um 
So when I first heard it, I knew that I actually knew the song because I've awesome. heard the I've heard the John Lee Hooker version. Um, so I was not expecting the the guitar solos that it was. I I love those type of things where it's almost like they're trying to one up. Like, oh, oh, you got that? Okay, let me see what. Let me show you what I got. And, yeah, they like push each other to do better. Yeah, and it's yeah, I very much enjoyed that. I was in a actually in a parking lot today listening to it while my kid was doing something, and I was able to listen to it. I was like, oh, and again, it's a very long song, which is good because you know basically I was writing notes to the podcast while listening, and then I pretty much the, my son's appointment was over. <laughs> I was like, okay. It was it was awesome. It was uh you know it's definitely I will definitely I'm both of these songs I'll listen to again honestly. Awesome. Agreed. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. The Springsteen song for sure is it's. I feel like Alec is here to push me into the Springsteen vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my job and my goal in life is to just convert more people. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, he also um, covered John Lee Hooker doing uh, Boom Boom, and it was pretty awesome. So. Oh, I'm sure. That makes perfect sense because even though he's – I think of Springsteen as more of a straight-ahead rock and roll folky guy, but I'm sure he's listening to like blues like at home on his record player or whatever. You know, there's no doubt in my mind because that's, that's just his vibe. You know what I mean? Definitely, but I will tell you that I will be uh... – now I'm going to look for the John Lee Hooker version, and I'll be playing the Almond Brothers version again. Oh, as well. it's fucking good! It's good. Yeah. What about you, Greg? Here, you bring the you bring the Springsteen. Omar's going to bring the Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> oh man, I love. <laughs> We're going to talk I, about as many obscure bands as possible. I love Gordon Lightfoot. He's awesome. I, 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 I like him too. I don't mind that. He's he's solid. <laughs> I've been trying. There was a band that had like a rhyming name, and they were a bit like big back in 1971. And I'm trying to remember their name. Badfinger. It was like. A, no, it was, a, it was like a British band that had like a, a silly name. and Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. We'll just go with that. It's not it. But. <laughs> uh, Willy Bully. That's Willy Bully. That's a great song. Okay, so I'm, I went very obscure. <clears throat> and I'll do story time. Please. I moved, to, I moved to Orlando, and I had a did not have a job. It was over 20 years ago now. And actually, it was 20 years ago now. Uh and I didn't have a job yet, and I had a very, like, I'd worked a bunch and just saved up my money and moved here. And I could buy food, and I could pay rent, and that was it. And I, I remember I would spend my afternoons at Park Avenue in Winter Park, Florida. And there was a CD store called Park Avenue CDs. And I would go there, and I would work on graphic design stuff. And I would uh, look, at, look for jobs and call people and do whatever. Um. So I went into the Park Avenue CDs, and they had those one of those headset things where you could listen to bands. And those headphones are really good, like so everything sounds phenomenal on them. <laughs> and I remember there was a band called, and I obviously we know music. And I was like, Matthew Good Band, what is that? And it had the little write up, and it was like this Canadian band. And I'm like a huge Our Lady Peace fan. <laughs> I love I love Canadian music. Um, yeah, Our Lady Peace is awesome, and Canadian bands are great. So I'm big. I'm big on Canada, and uh, so I was like, okay, a Canadian band, and I listened to this thing, and I've heard, and remember, I'm I'm like budgeted. I'm like, I cannot buy an album, and I heard the like first few seconds of this album by this dude named Matthew Goodband. Uh, it was called, and the 
album and the song, I think, was called uh, Hello Time Bomb. And it had, like, a bass line and then this thing. And I was like, what is this? And I loved it. Like, I, I'm like, well, guess I'm buying an album. And he's a dude from, uh, like, and it's, it was weird because it was, like, so very Canadian. It was like, you know, like, how many bands are just called, like, the Matthew Good Band? Like, just, his name is Matthew Good. But, like, you know, there's Dave Matthews Band here. And, like, there's not a lot of others just, like, I don't know, like this, hey, we're Matthew Good. Um, but he, uh, it's just a, I don't know, there's something about the bass line and just the, and the driving, like, the way they do the drums. I don't know, it just, it, it caught me. And then I saw the video, and I, if I remember correctly, the video had, like, um, a girl riding around and, like, wearing, like, the little devil ears and the little thing. She was wearing, like, small red shorts and, like, a little devil tail on it. Um, and there's a whole thing about the devil on roller skates in the song. And I was like, yeah, I know it's not as deep as your guys, but that is the, the Matthew good band, uh, hello time bonk song. So what did you guys think? Um, what do you think, Alec? I really liked it. Um, I never heard of them. So I was definitely a hidden gem for me, but I put it on in the car and it, I guess it just took me back to another time and I kind of like, wait, where, where was this band back then that I could hear? Cause I, um, I really enjoyed, I, I really enjoyed the sound. I can't say I remember the lyrics much cause I was just really, I guess, vibing with the sound, but I thought it was a great rock song and it's something that I would, uh, I would definitely listen to again. Um, but mainly I was like, wow, this fits right into a certain era. And I, I'm kind of like, why don't I know this song? So I thought it was really good. Um, I'd never heard of them. Um, I do love the, I mean, I do like a lot of Canadian bands. Um, I'm a fan, but I mean, obviously Neil Young is like the biggest one for me, but, uh, there's a lot of really, really good Canadian bands, uh, tragically hip arcade fire, like the horny beavers. Probably that, that seems, that seems correct. <laughs> The hosers, <laughs> the Labatt Blues, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the, but um, I I I thought this was a really driving song. I like how it just like kicks in. It just starts. I love it. Um, his voice. I'm not a fan of the higher pitch voices. Uh-huh. Like like um uh, like even I know that like the classic rock fans are gonna have a problem with this. But I'm not a like a big Boston fan, for example, because of like the the like the like falsetto voice. But um, so Rush is right out. But like Rush is a great band. They're they're objectively an amazing band. But yeah, I don't listen to Rush on purpose. Like on my own, I never have. I just because I just don't like that. So. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, it's that. But you know, um. But I thought it was a it was a great song. It was an obviously very well written song. This is an, a band that's obviously not the the songwriting is not. Uh, this isn't some new guy that just started out. It, and it was a very um, and I knowing you, Greg. It it was a it was a song that it, it it surprised me. I didn't expect that what I was hearing in a good way. But it's not. But it's not like the. The if I was a priest that I would listen to again, in my opinion, and I checked out some other Matthew Good stuff, 
And it was good, but it just wasn't... It's his voice, I think. I think that's what it is. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're dead to me. But and that's fair. It's not the first time I've heard that. I can, I can hear Greg crying. <laughs> his... yeah. Oh, no, no. He's... That's the sound of him sharpening a sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Fair enough. I'm glad I said the right. I'm glad I said the right thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's a. I don't. Know, there's something about that song, and you're you're not wrong. Actually, it's one of those like I don't know if I like the whole album, and I think this was actually their last album as a band. And then he did some solo stuff, which I also happen to like. Um, song uh, called "Weapon" that was on Alias and um, has some pretty cool. Um, things as well but and it's a very interesting time period for me musically because i had to really love the stuff that i was able to get um because i wasn't buying you know i was just out of college and working retail so i could only afford certain albums so they were you know they bring me right back to that time and it's it's weird because it's one of those times that you hear people talk about like oh we were struggling at that time and people and now, like, I look back at it, and I'm like, yeah, it sucked, but it also didn't, you know, it kind of makes you feel better about where you are at a, right. the next point of your life. That's, that's funny. I think that, not that I was struggling financially, but but I remember, like, there was a time when it was, like, all I would listen to is The Strokes and Pete Yorn back oh my in, like, God. Me too. 2001, <laughs> that's 2002. so funny. And huh? anytime I, I, it was not a happy time in my life for different reasons, and all I could think of is, man, now when I think about it, like, I kind of have a fondness for that. It's just really strange how that happens yeah mine was uh like 2001 i moved here um, right before 9-11 it was uh the first coldplay album and david gray i love the Coldplay. The, um, david gray the yeah. parachutes is great yeah parachutes and that i would listen to both those back to back david gray's a fucking phenomenal songwriter mm-hmm. i would listen to his back to the back right to fall asleep every night and i'm sure my roommate who, who me and omar know um uh would uh Probably had to deal with it because he was, his be, his bedroom was right above my stereo. Probably didn't think that you lived in a beautiful world. Exactly. Oh, nicely yes, done. He was, he, yeah. Well done. Um, but anyway, he's never so mentioned that, music like that, like like being kept awake by music. He's never said anything like that at all, ever. There's so many other things he probably hates me for. No, actually, he he sent, he, he, he literally sent me a picture of a middle finger yesterday. <laughs> that I see. But he's never, which, which is, which is how he says, I love you. Actually, <laughs> that, is, that is his way of saying, Hey, how are you? <laughs> he said that he drew it for a coworker of his and put, it was like on a piece of paper that he like drew a picture of a middle finger and left it on a soundboard for a coworker. That's funny. And, and he was like, why not use it again? He said he was like recycling it. That's so. funny. I love that, that guy. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. He's, he's great. Yeah. Uh, so those are our hidden he's gems. Actually, Check those sorry out. Sorry to cut you off. He's one of my favorite guitar players of all time. Your friend? Our friend? Uh-huh. Because remember, wow. we were in a band together. I loved when he went bluesy. Oh, uh, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's why I like blues. That's exactly what I'm talking about. When he would bust out his blue uh, Fender Stratocaster, and we would play like Mean Old World and shit like that. Oh my God. I can, I'll can i never forget. I almost it. ran out of underwear because I would just throw it at him when I was uh, <laughs> living with him. Yeah, it's weird that you wear thongs. I just... but I'm... They fling better. <laughs> Like you can pull him like a slingshot, and you can launch. I thought him of like, you as a boxer brief guy, but man, was I wrong. Boxer briefs—they they catch the air, and they, they don't go as far. Because I, I want him to feel it when it hits him. I want it to be like a little so bit of a sting. He wants so to feel it too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, we are going to now, and this is um, oddly enough, like you know, this is we're, we're going long here, guys. Very long. You know, we usually do two episodes. We uh, we haven't had a chance to do that because of work obligations. So, if you guys hate music, you're not this far in anyway. But if you love music, you're learning some stuff. We're going to talk about um, a movie and a documentary here. Um, we're not going to go nor- probably as deep as we usually right. go on some of like our side B episodes. Um, but let's uh, let's talk about the Rolling Stones thing. Okay. Um. You introduced it, so all you. Yeah, I was. Um, I like to go through like all the different, uh, like like Netflix and all those things, and just kind of like look through it, and you know, like you can click that button where you save it to your, uh, um, uh, like your 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 whatever watch watch list or whatever. And I saw this Keith Richards under the influence, and I'm uh, the Rolling Stones. Uh, is one of my favorite all-time bands. Um, I've seen them in a concert a few times. Uh, I have, you know, a bunch of their records. Like, you know, I've read books about them. I just, I love the Stones. And this is called Keith Richards Under the Influence. It's a Netflix thing that came out September 28th, 2015, which I didn't even know about until recently. And it's basically just him talking... Uh, about his influences and the camera kind of follows him around. And it was originally supposed to be like a 20 minute little, almost like a promo for his 2015 solo album. And it, and it ballooned into this full, ironically, this episode was supposed to be 20 minutes as well. Right. And that was seven hours ago. So, yeah, and that's fine. So, um, but like Tom Waits is in this, is in this for a little bit. Buddy guy shows up. Um, and it's just about Keith Richards and his, the things that influenced him, though the things that made him who he is. It's, if you're a Stones fan or just like a music fan, to me, this almost becomes like a music history thing. It goes beyond just the Stones. The synopsis. Love, oh, sorry. Oh, what were you saying? I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I, I just love his reverence. And we try not to talk about this stuff, but. There was such it was such a different time period with segregation and things like that, and you know, white bands playing black music. Well, and he talks about that in the movie, yeah, yeah. Like it was it was a thing, yeah. and for someone who is one of the biggest stars in the history of music, um, to like giving credit to these musicians, some of whom you know might not have ever been heard if it wasn't for him, or might not have ever been heard outside of their own circles. It just it's it's awesome, and I'm trying to put put it to words. Like it's it was taboo, and like you don't think about it these days as being taboo. No, I mean like, you're you're completely you're completely correct about that. Like my my mom didn't listen to any white music at all, so like I didn't know what the Beatles were. I thought the Beatles were like the Monkees for the longest time. Really, because like they my my mom was like, you know, Motown, like, this is mu- this is music. That's the other stuff. It's just bubblegum pop garbage, basically. Like, the only the only white music she ever listened to was um, uh, Janis Joplin. Who sounds like... So, like... Right, who doesn't yeah. sound like a white chick. So, like... And back then, I didn't really know, because it was on cassette tape, oh, and we no only chance. had the tape. We didn't have the, like... But oh, either way, gosh, so it, was, it just... I love this kind of stuff where people go back and talk about their thing, especially when it was across the across the pond, so to speak. 
Well, it's interesting. One of the cool stories in this that I had not heard before was uh, he's he was in his hometown, whatever, back in like late 59 or early 60s or whatever. And he sees this dude who he used to know. I love this. Coming off, right? Coming off of a train. And it was his buddy, Mick Jagger, who had, like, they went to school together when they were younger. And Mick had two records under his arms. And one was the best of, of Muddy Waters. And the other one was a Chuck Berry record, Rockin' at the Hops. Uh, you know, chess records. You know, at the time, the, like, the best of the, like, blues and underground, like, rock and roll stuff. And he even describes it in the movie as, like, I thought I was the only one in South South England listening to that stuff. I had no idea that anybody else even knew that it, that stuff existed. So he's like, so I like <laughs> ran after Mick through the crowd to be like, whoa, what is like, I didn't know you were into this stuff too. And that's like, you know, the, what, what eventually becomes the Rolling Stones. I mean, it's Keith Richards and Mick Jagger, you know? And it's it's such a it's such a mind blowing thing that like just he just happened to see this guy walking off a train and seventy years later they're still kicking ass or however many years later. Like that's so bizarre. But not just that, but like the the Stones for me, it's one of those bands where like one of my favorite records, probably my favorite Stones record over like overall album. Well, I have two. One of them is uh Sticky Fingers, like like nineteen seventy one, I think. And the other one is Exile on Main Street, which is like 72 or 3. And Sticky Fingers, like I remember listening to that album the first time. And it has Sister Morphine, which was written by Marianne Faithful. But it also has like Moonlight Mile. And it has uh, uh, Can't You Hear Me Knockin' and stuff like that. And I remember listening to it thinking, how the fuck is it possible for just normal, mortal human beings to write music like this. I couldn't, I, I literally could not believe what the fuck I was hearing. I just, I, it, to this day, it blows my mind. When I hear those albums, those two records especially, those are like the Mick, Mick Taylor um, years of the Rolling Stones. They just fucking absolutely blow me away. And then watching this documentary, talking him talking about his early years and stuff, it's like, it sort of brings it all back together. It's not like I'm watching a, a Keith Richards documentary. It's like I'm watching a blues, rock, country, music, history documentary. Because it all lives in him. Does that make sense? Keith Richards is, is so, he's someone that I'd be scared to talk to. Yeah, I would be intimidated to talk to him. Yes, exactly. But every time, like, we mentioned this pre-recording that I watched this, and then and then today I was like, oh, let's see what's going on on the WTF podcast with Mark Marin, because he does some awesome interviews. And especially if he gets a comedian on there, by the way, out there listening. Like, he just recently just did uh, one with Jeff Foxworthy, who I don't think much about Jeff Foxworthy ever, but the conversation was great i bet but um two episodes before that he did keith richards i was like oh and it was 14 minutes and it was like he was so inviting and nice and you know joking around and if you know he was humble in a way and it was it was awesome 
Yeah, I got to check that out because and it's Keith Richards. I mean, like, you know. yeah, and I mean, it, it's they're re-releasing that album that this documentary was made around, and it was just just so interesting seeing him at home and seeing him like just noodle on things, just play things effortlessly. Like seriously, like yeah, it's insane. <laughs> Like oh, I was playing this this reggae beat, and then I decided to do and this. And then he goes into like a Chicago blues, like a, like without even missing a beat, and he's like nailing it. Yeah, Alec, did you have a chance to see this at all? I did not. I will check it out, but I did not see. What's it. What's your take on your you know like your your hot take, your honest take on like the Stones and that? I think they're one of the you know they're one of the most influential bands of all time. Yeah. Uh, I love their music. That I mean, I I'm not an expert on their music to the extent uh, like you are, but uh, anytime I hear their music, uh, I tend to enjoy it. I, they're one of the uh, bands I want to take a deep dive and kind of go through each album. I tried doing that a few years ago, and I I, I got through a few albums, and I, I something else had, it wasn't to do with them. I just went off of it for a bit. But well, that's a daunting uh, task. I mean, you're talking about like forty records or whatever. That's the thing, but um, at least the the main like the like Exile Main Street I, I, and Sticky Fingers, I believe I did listen to those. They're amazing. I mean, I, they're a band that I would I haven't seen live. Would like to see. Don't know if I ever will, but uh, a little expensive. But um, they're they're you know they're legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they really are. Um, well, that was my that was my offering as far as. This movie that's on uh, Netflix. It's on Netflix. If you're a fan of, you know, whatever rock and roll history, um, if you're a fan of the Stones, I highly recommend it. Also, I thought about something that that we talked about a couple of episodes ago. We were talking about music, and we were talking about like country. Oh, it was uh, like a week ago, I think, when we were talking about the the upcoming Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, and, we were, yeah. and then and I believe Rob. Yeah, Dolly Parton, and I believe Rob brought up the CMAs or country music or something to that effect. Yeah. I don't remember the exact conversation. And and I was saying how, like, I would argue that country music preceded rock and roll. So rock and roll is really a product of country music. And in this documentary, at one point, Keith Richards basically says, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, not exactly quoting because I don't remember, but basically... Country and blues fused to make rock and roll, which is which is true. I mean, that's really what it is, because uh, because yeah. the 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 movie takes you through different phases. Like there's, there's like a blues phase, but there's a whole chunk of the movie where he's talking country music, and then he talks about how like they blend together to make this rock and roll. And then at the end, toward the end of the of the documentary, he gets into reggae and his love of that. But I highly recommend it if you if you're a music fan. Check it out. Like you're not going to be disappointed. Yeah, if, if you're this far into this episode, you're, you're probably, probably a music fan. You've probably already seen it. <laughs> yeah, when you said that you were thinking back of a previous episode, I thought you were going to talk about your, uh, um, your college thesis that we talked about on your birthday episode, where you, um, you know, farting creates a sense of oneself, where everyone's farts are special. I was very into Alan uh, Watts at the time. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> uh. Last but not least, a movie. And Al, you're taking you're taking the reins on this one. I mean, I saw it, but okay. So the movie is Licorice Pizza, which is directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. It stars 
Alana Haim, who I think is best known for being a part of the band Haim. Um, Cooper Hoffman, who is Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it's got Bradley Cooper in a small role, small role, Sean Penn in a small role. Uh, but it's... Um, and it's recently, uh, this is the tie-in. I like to have these things tie-in. Tom Waits is in this as well as the, the um, Keith Richards thing. Nice. I love yes, Tom Yes, that's right. Tom Waits is in it. It's a... It's up for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, other nominees. It's also very musical. Um, if you look at the soundtrack, it's got needle drops quite a bit. It's got David Bowie. It's got um, my brain's blanking, but there's blues. There's all different types of uh, music from that era. I think the movie takes place in, I want to say, 70, 71, I think, something along those lines. But it's a movie about... I believe it's uh, 73. 73. Thank you. Uh, it's a movie about um, a kid based on a real person, a real producer named Gary Gorsman. On the movie, it's, his name is, is different, but it's um, basically he's like, I want to say he's 15 in the movie, and he meets a girl who's 25, and it's about their relationship, which it's not like it's some people have made it controversial, but if you see the movie, it's not. It's not a love story, at least not in that type like sense. It's maybe it is a love story in other ways, but not in. Uh, it's a puppy. It's like a puppy crush that extends yeah. after a while. They both clearly really like being around each other, but you also know it's never actually going to be anything. Um, it can't be anything for that. Not just for that purpose. She's in a completely different stage in her life than he is. But the thing that That's Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. It is, but not the way it's. Not the way he goes about it in the movie, I suppose. Okay. I, you know, at least not fully. Um, what I think what he's doing is, I I'm a big fan of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, by Tarantino, which came out in 2019, and I think this is kind of Paul Thomas Anderson's version. Not that he looked at that movie and said I'm going to do something like that, but I think it's his version of that, where he grew up in uh, a certain part of California, and he he kind of in his childhood remembers a lot of the way things were, and he wanted to make a movie that use all utilized all those things. So, for instance, uh, Bradley Cooper's role in the movie is to play like John Peters, who was a big time producer who was at the time dating Barbara Streisand. Um, he's got Sean Penn playing an actor that's supposed to be William Holden, which I don't know if you guys remember who that was, but he was a famous actor. He was an actor, that, yeah. Yeah, a really good actor at that. So um, it definitely uh, has that 70s feel to it. I really enjoyed the movie. I, I think, you know, it's um, it's more like vignettes in a sense. Like there's not a, a straight, narrow path to a story. It just takes you through different parts of a few, maybe a year or two, I want to say. But I think that um, the revelation is the main actress, Alana Haim. I think, holy like, holy cow, she's a really good actress, and she yeah. she should have been nominated for Best Actress, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, let me uh, jump in. So yeah, jump you in. Cover, you cut into a bunch of things that I, I wanted to say, or you mentioned a bunch of things I wanted to say. One, the vignette thing. Um, I'm I'm iffy on Paul Thomas Anderson. I, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't like Magnolia. I saw a lot of his stuff because I like good movies, and people are like, oh, this is great. You see it. He but can go I've not always way, liked though. his movies. Yeah. Agreed. This one I was super excited about. Part of that is the trailer where they play um, Bowie's Life on Mars. 
Love it. As they show bits of the movie. And that song is, that's up there as one of my favorite all-time songs. Um, there's something about it just so un- otherworldly. Like, I'm not entirely sure that a human actually wrote that song. Like, yep. I don't know why. But um, the thing I find interesting with these different vignettes is they are very loosely connected. And they don't – it is almost like looking back on your own life and just, like, thinking about it because all of the in-between threads, you don't really remember. Like, you know, like when we're joking around talking about our time in high school, we don't remember, like – what got us from the field trip we were talking about to the prison to the next week. It's, it, we just told one story and then told the next story. It wasn't like there's no, no, then we drove to here and then we did this, you know, it's just moments. And this movie has a lot of that where you don't really even know how long things are away from each other. Like there's some, there's like a couple times where they're not talking the, the guy and the girl, cause they have an argument and it's like, is it a week? Is it two days? Is it a month? Like, Maybe I'm missing that part, but it was – I don't know if it was off-putting. I think at the time it was off-putting, but now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh, maybe that was genius because it is looking back. Yeah, I think um, I I probably like him a little bit better than you as a director, but Magnolia, like some people swear by that movie. I I find it kind of like Apocalypse Now, a movie that everybody loves that I don't quite love as much. I respect more than I love. That movie um, was was like huge when I worked at Blockbuster, and I, the Blockbuster I worked at had a very um, distinct patron group, like like uh, rich Jewish people in Boca, and and Omar, oddly enough, um, and uh, like they people come in and would rent this movie, and then come back and be like pissed, like I hated this movie. Why is everyone saying it's good? Movie, yeah, yeah, like I didn't say it was good, but yeah, like it, it was one of those movies that like when it came out, and you're like. Like eyes wide shut, You're like everyone's gonna rent this and be pissed off at me. Like I had something, <laughs> like, you, like yeah. you produced like, it or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, look, I'm only 19 years old, and yes, I did make out with uh, Nicole Kidman, uh, but didn't we all? I didn't make this movie that you hate, <laughs> and I didn't go to that party with all those people. Hey, Nicole Kidman, no, I did uh, Nicole Kidman, actually. call me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. She's I mean, I did. I did go to that party. I, <laughs> I was in a mask. You didn't recognize me. Oh, well, that explains a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, I, I think this falls on like I really enjoyed it. I think part of it was it's probably one of the it was the first movie that I saw in a movie theater in a long time with my wife that we weren't there for anybody. But like the only movies I've seen since uh, the pandemic have been mostly kid movies up until that point with my kids. So maybe that was part of it. It was just nice to be out. But I thought I thought it worked. You know, um, I I don't necessarily need a tight plot as much as I need. To to be interested the whole time and I was and I I liked the last scene. I thought he thought he nailed the end of the movie. And I definitely loved how he inter interwove the music into everything. So I I think it's in my opinion probably one of his better movies. I know there's also some controversy because of um there's some scenes involving a a man who has an Asian wife and he talks to them oh, with a with a mock Asian accent. And those scenes are weird. I don't know that they were needed. So it's not it's not a perfect movie. Like, but, yeah, it's, it, the mock, it's not, so he's talking to her because he's like a financier or whatever, and she has a restaurant, and it's not like he's speaking in Japanese, right? He's Yeah, he's speaking in English with the, like, that fake Japanese dialect that, you yeah, know, so a white like, guy would do in breakfast. He, like, turns, like, he'll talk to the, the person. He's like, yeah, you know, we can put your information on these little placards, 
on the at the restaurant or can we put the whatever and he looks and he like tries to explain to his wife and he's like and i'm not gonna do it because i don't want to get fired or beaten up but he <laughs> does the, like the the wr thing like yeah to her instead of just talking japanese and it's like oh like yeah it was it was weird like i and it was what's his face from uh oh, what's his name yeah i'm trying to remember the actor john john yeah I know him more as like I see him in different movies. Like I, he was like uh, he was in the breakup. He was the guy uh, who sings um, the movie with Jennifer Aniston. Uh, but I, I'm trying to think of other movies. He's you. He's a guy you'd recognize if you saw him. He's, I mean, he was in Modern Family as uh, what's his face's dad. He was. I think so. Wasn't he? I might be wrong on that. I don't know. I I don't remember. But it's that's. Those scenes, I mean, he his defense is that's it was basing on something that actually happened. So I, I would say okay, but I don't know that it actually added anything to the story. Uh, so it's not a perfect movie, but John, I, uh, John Michael Higgins. Thank you. I knew it was John. Couldn't remember anything else. He was in uh, a Mighty Wind, so he's yeah, best in show. Yeah, the best in show. Oh, that's a solid um, movie. Yeah, yeah. Pitch, per- Pitch Perfect. Um, he's the judge in Pitch Perfect, right? That's what he is. Yeah. But anyway, I, I. I think it's worthy of most of the accolades he's getting. Um, overall, the story is really well done. And Cooper Hoffman actually does a really great job. And, you know, it's kind of like reminiscent of um, what Michael Gandolfini did in The the Many Saints of oh, Newark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where you can see just enough that it's kind of calming in a way, but they're their own actor. They're doing their own thing. So, uh, a liquor, by the way, Licorice Pizza, it's a weird title, so people that's one of the reasons people caught it. Um, so, Licorice Pizza, it's actually the name of a record store in Los Angeles in the 70s and 80s. But also, it's called that because a record, a vinyl record, yeah. looks like a – because it's black and shiny, and it's the size of a pizza, so it could be called a Licorice Pizza. That's why we're talking about it on our music episode. And um, if, you've yeah, seen fat, if you've seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I believe uh, – one of the scenes in the mall, like the, the record store in the mall, is actually a licorice pizza. Really? Ah. Yep. And on the soundtrack, there's a song called Licorice Pizza by Johnny Greenwood. Uh, soundtrack's good. The And there's also, yeah. to bring it full circle from two hours ago when we started recording, there's a Gordon Lightfoot song too. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just for you, Omar. Just for you. Uh, we, we mentioned briefly Alana Haim, how she was an awesome actress. I'm not... I fell in love with her in this movie. Like, yeah. have you ever had, like, like we're married, but every so, like, this hasn't happened recently, but when I was, like, younger, I would have a dream. It wasn't, like, a sex dream, but just, like, a dream about a girl, and you're talking to her or whatever in the dream, and then, like, you wake up, and you're, like, legitimately depressed that this person isn't real. Oh, interesting. Like, like I had, that used to happen to me all the time. Like, I never, I'm, I'm getting very, like, Freudian here, but I'm, I was never a sex dream person. I never had one. Other than the one I told you about, Omar, that was with you in it. I mean. That wasn't a dream. Yeah, I had to tell you about that because I just couldn't go to SeaWorld and see those penguins with you because of what happened in the dream. Well, I think you need to lean yeah. into it next time, but whatever. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I don't know. I, just, I never had those, but like, I think the extent of it was like someone would reach over and hold my hand. I was very romantic. And like when I was watching this, I was like, this is that dream type girl the way that she was written the way like he i forgot about the like the the helper 
on the uh, photo day that would give you all the kids a comb. And that's what she was when this guy like hit on her the first time. And like, there's just something about her that's great. And then like, you find out like one, I mean, I knew she was in a band and I've listened to the band and they're good. And like, there's this whole sequence where she's like driving a truck backwards. It's rolling down a hill. And she, and she like did that. <laughs> like she did the driving herself, which is crazy. Um, I'm assuming there was some sort of stunt work involved, but like, like everything she does is really impressive. And her whole family ends up in the movie too. Like her, uh, her two sisters in, in playing her sisters and her dad is not only in it, but he's Israeli. And like, they didn't have to write any lines for him, which I thought was great. And there's like one sequence where she's like, she was advertising for something. So she's wearing like a 1970s bikini. She comes home really late at night in the bikini and the whole family's like watching TV. And the dad looks up like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, and like, that was his like legitimate reaction, <laughs> which was great. It was actually my favorite, like the part of the movie made me laugh. So Alana Heim and all of, and I mean, their sisters, I just like, I love them. They're an adorable family and super talented. Apparently I have a type. <laughs> Apparently so. But I, I think most people who tell you that movie have a type. She, she definitely... And she did, wasn't like a manic pixie dream girl. She was a real character. She was a, kind of a fuck up in some ways, but mm-hmm. that um, makes it better. Shut up, it shut does. Up Omar. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't even seen the movie yet. She's like, now she's my type. <laughs> Omar, definitely check it out when you can. You'll yeah. like it. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's it, it's. And I hate that I'm going to say this. In fact, next time either of you see me, just kick me in the like balls Real for saying this, too. but. I saw a review that said that this movie is less of a movie and more of a vibe. And kind of like Slacker or uh, Dazed and Confused. And it kind of feels like that. Like It's like, but, I want to be there for a while. I mean, yeah, I think, it's a story. But. but I think that's kind of even like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is kind of like a vibe too, where you just hang oh, out yeah. in, in that totally. era for two and a half hours and you're somewhere else. And they transport you back to that time period. And I think that's what this movie does. So yeah, maybe it doesn't have a, a plot to the same level as there will be blood or something, but oh, God, I love um, oh, so do I. Just to so be clear, that's his masterpiece. I'm I, at least I'd argue, but uh, I think this movie there's there's nothing wrong with putting on a movie just like I can hang out in this world for the next you know two hours and twenty minutes. Okay, so we are going to finish this up. We are this is the Give Me Five podcast for those of you that just happen to be listening to us randomly because you're Gordon Lightfoot fans. Um, <laughs> You're like, finally, someone's mentioning Procol Harum. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. You're like, you know, I was waiting for the Alan Parsons Project uh, <laughs> podcast. Uh, here next, ne- next week, we're doing a... Uh, Fly and Burrito Brothers doing retrospective. A, and a retrospective <laughs> on the band, yes. <laughs> oh, God. I actually was there when they got uh, got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You're such an ass. <laughs> I can't believe you went to that. That's so awesome. Dude, that's amazing. Um. So we are the Give Me Five podcast. We do top five lists occasionally when we get – more often than not, we have the opportunity, and we do a Give Me Five list based on whatever we're talking about. And uh, there was a – since I went to the ministry concert, it was just – one of the things that caught me got me on ministry was the very creepy, gravelly – I don't even know what it's from uh, – voice right before the song Just One Fix. And do you remember that, Omar? Having – what the that voice song said. just one fix god i don't remember anymore. yeah like it's been so long since i heard so that. it would start off like with the kind of a lower almost like the music was being played inside of a room and then like and then it kicks in but the voice says never trust a junkie like yeah, i can't do it right familiar. but 
and which they didn't do that part live, by the way. But that's okay. That's fair. The show was great. Um, but like the first time I heard that, I was like, "Whoa, shit!" Like, like you could hear the like damage in the voice. So it really made me think of this this thing. And one of the things that I always love is when there is a voiceover or a quote or something in the middle of a song. Okay. Or at the beginning of a song or at the end of a song even. So I was like, okay, guys, I'm going to ruin the rest of your week, and you guys are going to have to come up with five of these songs that have a little voiceover. And here, I'm going to actually start off with a guest picker, uh, my wife, who, as I was talking about this, she started like reeling off some. So she actually has her own list. She did not order them, though. But can I? Uh, so can I? Can I go with hers first? Sure. My wife, who is who is cooler and better than me in every possible way. Uh, so this is not in any necessarily order. Um, she came up with "Human," uh, the uh, a Human League, but the song "Only Human" or whatever. There's a part with talking in the middle of it. Huh? You're only human, flesh and blood. There's like a talking part in it, which I actually I didn't think that one at all. Uh, she also. And this is going to ruin the part that I said she's cooler than me. But she uh, went with "Oops, I did it again." There's a talking part in there. Um, she also mentioned another brick in the wall. Uh, the can't have your pudding if you don't eat your meat situation. And then she said "Boom," which I was like, "What is Boom?" And "Boom" is a song by Flight of the Concords. Oh, that's so funny! Um, <laughs> at the beginning, it's it's the song where he's talking about a girl. <laughs> Starts off, and this is the voiceover, and she like did it perfectly. It's like, "Oh my God, she's so hot." She's so flippin' hot, she's like a curry. I want to tell her how hot she is, but I think she'll think I'm being sexist. She's so hot, she's making me sexist, bitch. <laughs> and just hearing my wife said that, I, I, it was wonderful. Um, so that was, uh, I guess, number one, two, three, four, whatever. But the, the last one, and I'm going to talk about this later, is the song that one of the songs that actually brought me and her together. That is My Band by D12, which is uh, Dirty Dozen, uh, Eminem's. I'm going to say Eminem side oh, project, yeah, yeah. but not really. They they existed before, or they they grew up together and worked on albums together. So, but there was a song called My Band that was big. I think it was 2005, and I played it for the first time because we when we first started dating, we would try to send each other the most offensive songs possible, like cause we were burning discs for That's each other. Pretty awesome. So we would <laughs> so we would send each other horribly offensive songs, and this one was one of them that I sent to her and. Um, she actually sent me one that was called Connecticut's for fucking by the uh, four hornsmen. Like, and uh, it's about how the Connecticut is so boring that you can, all you do there is um, go to shopping malls and, and have sex. And um, that was it. We got married. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now it's you guys. Take it over. Um, not the first time someone has said take it Omar that's on this podcast. Well actually everyone that's ever been on this podcast has said that. <laughs> All right. Well my number I had to Okay. Again, I have more than five. But but they're kinda that's not enough. more than five. So I had to throw in, in, you know, the doors because that's my you know. So number five I have the end by the doors and there's that little in, in part in the middle where he's talking about, you know, Dionysus Other? and stuff. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Number four, 
Uh, the song Blood Sugar Sex Magic from the record Blood Ooh. Sugar Sex Magic, which is such a great album. Um, number three, Bullet the Blue Sky by U2. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a great song. And live, seeing them do that live. You know, U2 is one of those bands where they do such a good job. It doesn't matter how big the crowd is. They do these little tricks, like almost like little psychological tricks, and they bring you all in. So I remember watching one of the times I saw U2, they did that song, and uh, Bono had this like handheld uh, spotlight. And, you know, in Bullet to the Blue Sky, there's that guitar part that just like, it's like a meow sound, like just like a meow. And as the edge is doing that meow, Bono takes this spotlight and just shines it across the whole crowd during Bullet the Blue Sky. And it just makes you feel like you're, you could be all the way up in the top. Most rafters, like basically getting, you know, ducking airplanes. And you feel like you're part of the of the show, like it was so well done. Um, and that little int- that little musical verbal part is just so good. Um, number two, it's all the different times that Pink Floyd does that. I mean, I'm literally wearing a Pink Floyd shirt right now, so that's one of my you know favorite bands. Um, and my number one, for billions of years, man lived just like the animals. <laughs> Yeah, that, and they do that in Eclipse, they do that in Goodbye Blue Sky, they do that in Another Brick in the Wall, it's, there's a bunch of times when they, um, and even in, there's, there's, uh, there's some great solo albums, especially by Roger Waters, where, um, like, uh, there, you know, there's all kinds of little verbal things. Anyway, my number one, just because I was in the Keith Richards mood, and this is a little bit of a cheat. Because it's not really a verbal interlude. It's kind of like instead of a instead of verses, Mick Jagger's just talking. There's a song off of Some Girls called "Far Away Eyes," and huh, I think Some Girls came out in '75 or '76. So I was like either just born or not quite born yet. And uh, he tells us it's basically him telling a story with a Southern accent. It is so good. It's such a great song. It's got like a little blues like a country blues hook to it it's fantastic it's such a good song so it's kind of cheating because it's not really like a little verbal interlude the actual verses are spoken and the chorus is sung it's great it's called far away eyes check it out it's 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 a fantastic song i totally forgot about popular by not a surf oh my god i forgot that oh god it's a great song it's a great song um, Alec, I think you're uh, on the hook. Okay, oh. and I think I I might have messed my assignment up, so I think I thought it had to come from like the, the, the reference was the Guns N' Roses song, which had came from a movie. So I all mine have movie undertones to it. M- so. A lot of mine do too. Okay, that's a lot. All right, so um, my honorable mention because it only was on the video, I believe, is Metallica's one. Um, that, uh, there's a lot of I think there's a lot of clips and scenes from the movie but i think it's only for the music video it's for uh, a movie called johnny got his gun or yeah which, johnny uh, get your gun johnny that 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 video scared the shit out of me when i was eight uh basically and I, it's seared into my brain that movie so I, virtually made me a pacifist 
yeah, I would do that. And that song specifically, too, to be honest with you. Um, I'm sorry, I mean that song. Yeah. Sorry, I said that movie. But Number five is a tie between... Uh, I, I'm big into 90s hip-hop, and uh, so it's a Wu-Tang uh, kind of mixture here. You got Raekwon uh, with a song called Wu Gambinos, which is off of the... They use some of the excerpts from the movie The Killer from John Woo. And then there's pretty much any... A lot of songs off the first Wu-Tang album had different ninja-type movies uh, seared into their songs. Uh, number four is a funny one, but for some people, uh, the term Me So Horny, they, they heard it in Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> I heard it for the first time because I grew up in Miami uh, and a Two Live Crew song. So I didn't know that it was from Full Metal Jacket until I was like 18 and saw the movie. So uh, It's weird that, when that when you hear that. Yes. It's like, wait, wait a minute. That's Two Live Crew. Uh, number three uh, is a Tupac song called Death and uh, Death Around the Corner, and they uh, use the De Niro monologue from The Untouchables when he's like, I want his family dead, I want his house burned to the ground. It really fits in well. Uh, number two was the example that uh, Greg used, because uh, the Guns N' Roses, um, Cool Hand Luke uh, yeah. monologue from Civil War. I have this, because it's on mine, but we'll, we'll, we'll use it with you. Okay. <laughs> what we've got here is... Failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. So you get what we had here last week, which is the way he wants it. Well, he gets it. And I don't like it any more than you, man. I can hear the guitar coming in. Yes, yeah, me too. That's, that's, it's such well, a great... Second of all, I... Actually, thought that was an old woman until literally today when I grabbed that clip. I did not realize it was an old Southern man that looked like Boss Hog. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I did. I it was very weird hearing the voice that I've heard because I love the song Civil War, love it, and I hear it a lot. And I've, it was very weird hearing. It would look like a TikTok video to me. I'm like, this voice is not supposed to be coming out of this dude. It was. I actually had to go look and make sure that it wasn't a mistake. Sixties were a different time. Yeah. And then, uh, my number one is Back to Wu-Tang, but it's a it's one of my favorite albums of all time. It's called uh, Jizza or Genius. It's Liquid Swords is the album. Uh, the movie is, uh, and the song is Liquid Swords, but the, uh, the, the movie is Shogun Assassin, which if you've seen Kill Bill Volume 2, uh, they watch a lot of that. The daughter watches a lot of that movie, I believe, at the end or towards the end. Uh, but this is basically the first few minutes of the song are, are just this kid talking about uh, his his father and and his mother getting killed, but it's uh, it's all uh, very intense and gets you geared up for the rest of the album. So that's my top five. Nice. Thanks. So I, I've got a couple little things here. Um, I mentioned this earlier with my wife. Um, she informed me that I have to have this one as number one. But so I'm gonna say this is like the you know like when they do a thing where it'll be like what's the best like most influential band of all time other than the Beatles kind of right. thing. Uh, so this is my top five. This is my number one other than the top five that I actually am going to put out. Um, it's the Don't Divorce Me <laughs> top five. Um, that is going to be my band by D12 because it did bring us together. And the song, if you, it's all of the band members individually rapping about how annoyed they are that, M that everyone thinks of D12 as like the backup band for Eminem. And it's funny. And the whole thing about is like about how Eminem is like, a huge superstar and he's like he's not really a dick in real life i've met him he's nice they're, they're all singing about all the like the the rich guy shit that he's doing okay and they're all 
being like, yeah, you know, whatever, fuck this guy, let's be, let's kick his ass. And whenever it comes time to actually do it, they all puss out. So the the lyric is, or the the talk, um, there are two dudes talking about not going to sound check because it doesn't matter because they're just going to put the microphone up on Eminem and it doesn't matter what anyone else sounds like. So it says, man, I ain't going to sound check, but our mics, but our mics are screwed up. He always has to sound best. So that's like the rap part. But um, you know what, man? I'm going to say something. Hey, yo, M. And then Eminem pops his head in. It's like, you got something to say? Man, no. <laughs> so it's like every time the opportunity comes up and it's, and then they're like, I thought you were about to tell him off, man. What's up? Uh, man, I'm going to tell him when I feel like it, man. Shut up. <laughs> like, so it's just, it's a really funny song. It actually sounds like some of the, uh, from that one Wu-Tang album, actually, the uh, the one that was a little more poppy with uh, the dinosaur, like Flintstone sound and song on it. You know what I'm talking about, though. But anyway, so that's my, uh, that one. Um, I did have two that are on there for a certain reason that are uh, honorable mentions. One is You Could Be Mine, because in the middle of the guitar solo, you heard the Asta La Vista baby, but it was only in the video. Yeah. And you can't find that anywhere anymore because it was only because of a licensing problem because Karolko went out of business and whatever. I don't know exactly the deal, but you can't find that Asta La Vista baby anywhere. In fact, if you watch the video, you see Arnold saying it, but you don't hear the voice. I remember that too. Yeah. yeah. It's like right when the solo was like about to fade out and then it kicks in again. So that one. Uh, and then the other one, I put it in there. It's not, it's not a quote, but it is someone saying something. And I gotta, I'm going to play this because it's a best version of this song and it's also only in the video and like I guess the movie. But um, it's Green Day Brain Stew from Godzilla, which is the only thing good that came out of that movie. And it was this. That's the only way I'll listen to that song with the Godzilla scream. So, Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Number five. I didn't want to put this on there, but Alec, you convinced me. Michael Jackson Thriller. I didn't want to put it on there because of the accusations. But with the Vincent Price thing, they used to scare me the crap out of me as a kid. It's like, a... like I learned words about like corpse and rot and whatever from that when I was a kid. Uh, number three, Guns N' Roses. We already talked about, or sorry, number four. I missed number four. Duh. Uh, this one, do you know that there's a voiceover in the song once, Omar? I think we lost Omar because he was coughing, so he might be on mute. Oh, well. I didn't realize I left it on mute. I'm sorry because I was coughing. Okay. Once. Okay. Um, the song, Pro, the Pearl Jam song, once. Yeah, there's yeah, a, yeah, there is a voiceover song. hidden in the back. So at the very end, it's, it's yes, hidden yes. by a bunch of music. And then it's like, there's like a little musical, like, 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 kind of like a middle eight almost. Mm-hmm. And then you can hear him sort of, there's something in the background. Like you can hear some v- words in the background, but you can't quite yeah. make so it So this out. is a song we we mentioned Eddie Vedder earlier talking about the fact that he didn't know that his dad was his dad. He had some, a lot of problems with that. And this song is about him kind of going through it and thinking about basically the serial killer, like with a shotgun doing bad things. And at the very end, the hidden under the music, you hear him say, you think I got my eyes closed, but I've been looking at you the whole fucking time. And I'm like, that's yes, fucking yes. chilling. And it's like, you can hear it in headphones now, but you couldn't hear it all the time back in the day. So that's um, number four. Number three, Guns N' Roses Civil War. We talked about that. Number two, regulators. Re- nice. Regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. You know what I mean? You've got to be handing with the steel, if you know what I mean. 
And that is from Regulate by Warren G, which, uh, which uh, if you knew me in college, you probably <laughs> saw me drunkenly rap. And if you have any video of that, let me know Please. where you live so I can murder you <laughs> before it gets out. But one of my favorite I need to rock out and drive fast songs and do whatever is my number one. And the, the, the words are, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Cult of personality. I yep. forgot about that. Cult That's of personality, the living song. color. Oh, my God. Damn it. That's a great choice. Well done, Greg. You yeah. bastard. That is great. Your top two are, uh, I, I forgot about both of those. And those oh, are my God. Cult choices. of personality. Holy shit. I love these kind of questions where it's like, what's most recently on your mind, what you've heard recently, where, because you can't just go look it up easily. And that's the type of stuff I like. And I'm sure we missed a bunch of stuff. Like, I know I'm going to hear something in the next couple of days and be like, oh, man. Those and in Cult of Personality, when they throw in that, that Kennedy quote, mm-hmm. and then the song just kicks. Like, because everything goes quiet, and you hear the quote, and then it just, ju- <laughs> oh, man, it's, that's good. That song, if, like, if this question was, like, my favorite little surprise drum beat, I don't even know what it's called, where they, like, change up the drums just a little bit, and it's that one, like, the... In the middle of the song, there's like a drum beat where he adds an extra beat, where like where the snare like hits again very close to the drum. I don't know what that's called, but it's awesome. <laughs> don't they use like a Churchill quote too? Uh, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That's at the end, and at the beginning, it's uh, yes. there's another quote too, it's, which it's a what a what a great song. Yeah, I'm gonna listen to it again. I've listened to it like three times today. But, um, you, so that, you win. You win. Excellent. It was my question, so I was a little like – I had time to think about them. So uh, that was our music episode. It was long, uh, but if you are new to this episode, because I know that a lot of people listened to our previous music episode. It did, it did really well. So we're going to um, – I haven't talked to Rob about this yet, and I will, but you know, maybe I think a seasonal thing might be kind of fun um, every so often to do just a fun little music kind of thing. Um, so we'll see what we can do. But um, if you enjoy it. Uh, you can check us out, give me five podcast.com. Um, also, check out, um, I'm going to do this real quick, Omar, because I know it's, it's supposed to be you, but you know, rock and roll. You're, co- you're coughing. So, uh, if you check out, give me a five pod at Twitter and on Instagram, I will post some of these playlists of all these songs we talked about. So, if you're like sitting there, and I doubt very highly that anyone is, but if you're like, some of these things sound interesting, I want to hear them, you can check out the playlist that I will put up um, sooner than later, as soon as I am able to make it, um, as well as it'll be on our website also. So that'll be a, probably Spotify and a Apple one. The Apple one I've already been starting. So uh, there will not be any Gordon Lightfoot. Okay, there will probably end up being Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Alec, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hopefully you had fun. Hopefully we didn't keep you up uh, too late. I'll and, be, uh, I'll be a zombie Omar. tomorrow. It's okay. That's fair. That's understandable. And thank you, Omar, for uh, stopping coughing enough to talk about uh, Procol Harum. And Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I bring the classics. I bring the hits every time. I'm, well, very I'm still modern. trying to think of the name of that band. Very updated. It was like a huge band in like 1971 in England. And it has like huge a goofy kind of rhyming name. Beefy. Rhyming name. I think so. Shit. Are you sure it was England? It wasn't like Canada or whatever. I'm sure. I'll just say uh, it's it's not. I'll just say Harry Nilsson. <laughs> Harry Nilsson. Hot House Flowers. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jesus. Thank I you for listening. I haven't heard Hot House Flowers in 20 years. What the fuck was that? Okay, Psychedelic sorry. furs. Psychedelic furs. <laughs>
I just saw like a thing on Facebook or something with them, like some concert thing. Anyway, sorry. Uh, talk to you guys in a week when we get to our regularly scheduled episodes. Bye, all. Thanks, Alec. Thank you. Bye-bye.